Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty and Ryan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 132 of Otaku Brothers. My name is Rusty, and as always, I'm joined by my forever co-host and brother-in-law, Christmas Eve. Ryan, how yes. you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah, it's a great time of year. Um, I am on break right now from work, um, usually during the 4th of July and then during the Christmas season. Our plant shut down and we get to have like usually a week, week and a half break. So I'm off now as of what yesterday until the 3rd of January. Heck so yeah, I'm man. Jazzed. That's really nice. Yeah, I took this week of work off. So off the week of Christmas, I am working next week of the 27th, but I'm really going to prioritize getting all my work done kind of those first two or three days. Yeah. That way, Thursday, Friday of next week can kind of just relax, you know, maybe stay online, make sure I'm green. So everyone, you know, has the illusion that I'm getting my <laughs> stuff done. Yeah. Assassin's Creed Valhalla is, yeah, in maybe, the background, you know, maybe. Who knows? exactly, exactly. But it's been a fun week of just kicking back, playing games, maybe having a TV show or Twitch stream up on the computer. While I just uh, make my way through Assassin's Creed. But we'll get to all of that here pretty shortly. What we have to do is kick off and welcome all the good listeners that are tuning in to our Game of the Year special, people. This is the best time of year. Yes, it is. If you ask me. Because you have to whittle all of the games that you played and beat over the course of the year down to a select 10 and rank them. It's a pretty exhaustive but very exciting process and one I always look forward to doing. And even more than that, I look forward to everyone else, what they have to say about their game of the year. And so Ryan and I today are going to walk through the normal segments of Otaku Brothers. If you're new here, we talk about our weeks, what's been going down, the games that we have been playing recently, and then we're going to get into our top 10 personal games of the year. We'll talk about all the nuance that goes into making that list and kind of the things that Ryan and I do when we kind of put together and cultivate, not cultivate, curate. That list of games. And then we'll also get into the Community Game of the Year Awards. Ryan and I have six categories that we've come up with uh, over the past couple of years. And so we'll read through, I think we've got 15 emails. That's a hell of a turnout. That's insane. I don't think we've ever gotten this much community participation ever. I'm all for it. Which is amazing. So shout out to all of you wonderful, beautiful people out there. Hopefully playing some good video games. Maybe you're on a commute to go see some family and friends. Whatever it might be, we hope this episode finds you well. It's going to be beefy. It's going to be Campbell's Soup Chunky. (laughs) All right? We've got a lot to get through, and I can't wait to do it. I've got a nice cup of coffee. I've even got some tea and water. I'm like... Double fisting. Yeah, triple fisting. If I had another hand, you know? Yeah. It's crazy. I I got my black coffee, and I got some poison juice. So I'm ready. Mm, it's going to be good, good stuff. So thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We hope this episode finds you well. Ryan, let's kick things off, as we always do in a talk, brothers, talking about our weeks. What's been going down with you? Nothing too cr- – um, well, I mean, I – so the Sunday after we recorded our last episode, so two Sundays ago, I was just roughhousing with the dog, and she's a brute. She's just 80 pounds of muscle and love. Yeah. And we were roughhousing a little bit, and – my thumb actually like went into one of her sides, which is just 
pure muscle. Like underneath her arm kind of thing? Just kind of her shoulder, mm-hmm. one of her shoulders. And I hear the equivalent of like what you hear when you like a big thick carrot, you snap it in half. Oh my god! And I don't know if you've broken fingers before, have you? I've only broken one bone is my collarbone. And that's okay. when my sister pushed me down the stairs. Okay, so you probably wouldn't have probably heard the snap of like a finger. No, I just cried. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um. So yeah, it sounded like I broken. I think my middle finger, uh, pinky. I've broken some things. Wow. And this sounded exactly like that. And I'm like, Welp, that's not a good sound. So I like booked it to Giant Eagle. I got some tape. I couldn't find like an actual like bandage um, to clip or anything, but I got some like actual kind of medical uh, athletic tape. By the time I got to the car after I checked out, I couldn't move my thumb. Oh, and no. And I was like, oh, crap. Well, that kind of does that. So I quickly got to my computer. I like sent an email to my boss. I couldn't click the space bar with my normal left thumb because I couldn't move it without it hurting. Dude, push work aside. <laughs> I'm worried about your RuneScape game, you know? Dude, luckily, it's a point-and-click game. Oh, so I only yeah. <laughs> yeah. That index finger's getting to work. <laughs> but I transitioned from RuneScape, that career, into Minecraft. So I had to, like, add, like, an auto-jumper, which I generally hate. So And I still have to, like push through the pain to stay above water when I'm playing Minecraft. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so I took off work Monday. I sent like a frantic email like, hey, hey, Scott, I I think I broke my thumb. Like, I'm not going to be in tomorrow. I canceled all my meetings. We're good. And then like, so I went to urgent care around 12 after I walked the dog. It's surprising, like making breakfast and everything. It's surprising how much your non-dominant thant thumb assist mm-hmm. everything oh. so i'm right-handed i broke or i it turns out to be a sprain uh my left thumb okay and like just trying to cook breakfast like those opposable thumbs like i'm glad we evolved to have them yeah because they assist so much um but i ended up going to the urgent care it was a long process um but i got some x-rays turns out it's just a sprain which mm, is good that's and good i was fine with that so then i uh i just chilled Good. Um, good deal. And then, yeah, watched some good episodes, and I've just been trying to rest it. Uh, nothing too crazy. It, it's almost fully healed. They said about two weeks. So I'm kind of hitting that mark mm-hmm. as of two days from now. Okay. Okay. Good deal, man. Good deal. Uh, yeah, what about else? you? Less uh, less injuries on your side? No. Yeah, no injuries on my part. Thank goodness. Uh, but Lauren and I, the reason why we really didn't record last weekend, one, because we're kind of on an every other uh, week schedule right now with the recording. Yeah. But we went to Pittsburgh, which was somewhere somewhere I've been wanting to visit as an adult for years. I went there when I was about 10 years old uh, with my mom and her boyfriend at the time. But I didn't really get a chance to explore the city. I mean, when you're 10 years old, it's more just like get in the car wherever your parents take you. That's where you're going type yeah. of thing. So Lauren and I, uh, I was really excited to or I wanted to see Ben Roethlisberger, the quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers, play before he retires. Mm -hmm. And the writing is kind of on the wall at this point that he's probably going to hang up the cleats after this season uh, and retire. And there's been kind of rumblings internally with the organization that he's already spoken to prior players and some folks in the organization that this is his last season. So I thought, you know, I don't know if it's if it's worth risking waiting until next season to get tickets. And Lauren was just like, then let's just look at the schedule and try and get tickets now. And so a couple of weeks back, we got tickets, really great seats. I was, uh, it was nice to kind of spoil myself a little bit given where we, where we were, but not yeah. pay too crazy of prices because 
Uh, to go to professional sports games, it's it can be really expensive. pretty dang pricey. So we didn't uh, spend too much. Uh, we made the trek over to Pittsburgh. We first uh, went up to Steubenville, of all places, if you're not familiar with that little city. Uh, that's where my grandma is. So we visited her, which was really nice. She's 91. Wow. Still lives on her own. She's still super with it. Still gives me shit. Is super witty. <laughs> and that was just a terrific visit. Very so that cool. was cool. And then we scooted over to Pittsburgh. And let me tell you. I've driven in some major cities. I've driven through Detroit, Chicago, uh, of course, Central Ohio, Cincinnati, Cleveland. Uh, but Pittsburgh is definitely not a fun place to be driving. Really? Especially in the heat of afternoon traffic. Rush yeah, hour. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. It does. Is, is Phil, not Philadelphia. Is Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh. Just drawing a blank. It's not all caffeinated enough. Yeah. yeah. Is one of those cities that you went to, uh, do they have any food that they're known for? Yeah, there's a couple of different restaurants in Pittsburgh that like Primani's is the, are these sandwiches that are okay. like, it's almost like uh, a Scooby-Doo sandwich where it's just oh. like, you know, just like subs mounds, on subs on mounds subs. of meat and vegetables and everything like that. I think they put French fries on the sandwich too. We didn't end up going there, but we did hit up a lot of really cool restaurants I mean, the the big thing when you go to cities like that, or at least when Lauren and I go to cities, is we always kind of check ourselves that we're not walking into a place that we can get at home. Yeah. Because otherwise, why do we drive three hours to come here if we can get the same food at home? Yeah, you're not getting like Chipotle. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, unless it's like on the way home. Yeah. Like when we were in yeah. Steubenville coming to my – or going to Pittsburgh – you know, we grabbed 20 chicken nuggets from Wendy's. Oh, you have to. Because we yeah, just need spicy s- chicken nuggets? We didn't get the spicy. We got the regular. I kind of wanted down. the sp- I kind of yeah. wanted the spicy though. But anyways, we crushed some nugs and then we got to Pittsburgh. We parked the car. Yeah, and we just went to some really neat places and of course, you know, knowing me for research purposes of the podcast, the first place we hit up was this place called the Game Exchange. Yeah. Purely for research. Yeah, I mean, I thought you were actually in blinks like game room for a second when i was seeing some of those pictures i was like holy shit there's a lot of games like i didn't know if you're like walls of games yeah Yeah, it was a really neat store definitely nothing like that around us that that at least i know of Uh, really cool store their prices weren't really great and i didn't really know if it was a place where you can kind of haggle yeah so i just got a couple handheld games what was really interesting uh, that I wish I would have gotten more of is they had these like laminated posters. Yeah. Not laminated. They're just in like these they're little plastic prints. cases. Yeah. And they're prints. They're not, you know, authentic from magazines or anything like that. But they're they're prints that I've never really seen before. Like they had prints for the original Final Fantasy, all the Donkey Kong Country games, Chrono Trigger, Pokemon, Spyro. And of course, the one that I ended up getting was Jack and Daxter. The Precursor Legacy. And I don't, I'm sure there's stuff out there, but I'm not familiar with a lot of merchandise that stemmed from the Jack and Daxter games. And it's one of my favorite platforming series, really of all time, particularly the first game. I like Jack 2 and Jack 3 has some redeeming qualities as well. But that first game is so special. It's one of the first games I ever got on my PlayStation 2. So when I saw that on the wall, I mean, it was like, light was shining down from heaven i i it was like i knew i needed to get that and it was eight bucks yeah that's really cheap eight dollars like i was like i cannot deal. not get that so i got that and a couple game boy advance games and that was really about it uh on the game 
game front of things. But outside of that, Lauren and I went to this museum uh, in Pittsburgh. If you're ever there, it's an absolute must visit. The Carnegie Museum of Natural History costs $20 to get in, which is virtually nothing. Yeah, that's a really good price. Given what's there, they have an incredible dinosaur exhibit, several different art museums, kind of mini museums, if you will. They had an ancient Egyptian museum exhibit cool. type of de- type of deal that was phenomenal. I mean, they literally had stuff in there like ancient papyrus that they found in like sarcophagi. Is that the, mm-hmm. is that the uh, plural the of plural. that? It could be. <laughs> I'm making it up <laughs> on the fly here. But they had stuff that like people wrote like how many years ago, you know? Yeah, thousands of years yeah. ago. So that was really cool. If anything, definitely got me to wanting to boot up Assassin's Creed Origins. But... <laughs> Unfortunately, I think we got rid of that one. We got Odyssey. No, I have Wait, it. Do you? Yeah, no, I, I downloaded You're... it on PSN. Okay, I'm not surprised by that. You go on your uh, genre kicks. Yeah, <laughs> for I, got, each I, I got inspired. So a lot of really cool like Did little you know mini exhibits there. The uh, Sphinx is actually older than the Egyptians. They like actually dug it up. I guess mm-hmm. it predates them by like thousands of years. Really? Yeah, which is surprising. They be- built the pyramids though. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it was a really cool little museum. And then uh, the following day, Laura and I, of course, went to the Pittsburgh Steelers game. And it lived up and exceeded any expectations I had. I mean, there was these people behind us that every other word they said was the F word. There were these people (laughs) in front of us that were dancing and laughing. You know, people were eating hot dogs and drinking beer. I mean, it was the atmosphere that I've heard about since I was a little kid. Yeah. And to kind of just be like right in the middle of it all and just to kind of like soak it all in was just really special so um you know because lauren was looking at me like are these people ever going to shut up i'm like no it's heinz field (laughs) this is what we want (laughs) fuck it let's go (laughs) yeah how does that compare to like like a professional i don't know i don't know if i've been to a professional football game like we've been to osu games i've been to the a few Mm -hmm. how does that compare to that atmosphere I mean, Ohio State fans are nuts. Yeah. So, I mean, they're kind of on par with Steelers fans, with Cleveland Browns fans. Um, they're right up there. Okay. It's been a while since I've been to an Ohio State game, uh, especially against, like, I've never been to an OSU-Michigan game, right? But I'm yeah. sure if I was at that type of a game, that would be the type of atmosphere I'd expect at, like, a Steelers-Browns game. Mm-hmm. But even for this one, we were playing the Tennessee Titans, which is not a rival of ours, and uh, it was crazy. But a lot of fun. So were the uh, Tennessee Titan fans like near you guys? Or? Yeah, we had three of them sitting right next to us. <laughs> were you jeering with them at all? Or? Not really. I mean, I'm not really one to get up in people's grills just because yeah. whether it's about video games, you know, uh, console rivalries or anything like that, because eventually you're going to get to a place where you're going to have to eat your words. Like that's yeah, why you just I- have to throw down. I'll beat you up over your opinions about Pikachu. He's the sexiest of the Pokemon (laughs) in Route 1. (laughs) Exactly. So, I mean, like, living in Ohio, we live in a sea of Cleveland Browns fans. Yeah. And for years, my friends have been giving me shit about the Steelers. And I kind of just, like, I don't worry about it. It doesn't get on my nerves. It doesn't irritate me. It certainly doesn't get, like, ruffle my feathers to the point where I'm just like, well, yeah, we've beaten you for 20 years, you know, because eventually... Like last year, yeah, they beat OSU us. In the, they beat. Well, no, the Browns beat the Steelers in the playoffs. Yeah. So it's like I know I'm gonna have to eat my words eventually. So no, I'm not. You know, throwing shade at the Tennessee fans. I wanted to say good game at the end, but they walked out with like a minute left, and they just kind of like 
rush past me. So I was like, whatever, you know. And then you also shared a fun fact when we were watching Spider-Man that uh, the Steelers haven't lost after uh, mainline Spider-Man release. Yeah, I was wishing that, you know, a live-action Spider-Man movie could come out every week during football (laughs) season because Ben Roethlisberger has never lost a game at home after the release of a live-action Spider-Man film. Very interesting statistic. So, um, and... He won right after No Way Home came came out. So all good stuff. Lauren and I had a great time. And like I said, outside of that, I've been just chilling on the couch because Lauren has been working this week. I've been playing some good games, watching some great shows, and tuning in to some pretty awesome Twitch streams and podcasts. So it's been, nice. a, it's been a good week. It's been good. a good week. Glad to hear. But uh, that's really it about my week, Ryan. It sounds like we've covered everything about you. So let's get into the games that we have been playing recently. And why don't you kick it off for us? All right. So I think I missed or mentioned it maybe two weeks ago last time. Um, Minecraft, the caves and kind of restructuring of how the terrain generates update happened. So it was in two parts. Um, So one was the biomes and then the second part was the caves. And I've been waiting to start Minecraft again until those (laughs) – that fucking smile, dude. You're like, oh, no. I knew this was going to happen. It was like, hey, I talk about RuneScape throughout a year. And then, like, you're like, okay, you're coming off that addiction. And then I mentioned Minecraft and you're like, oh, God, fuck it. Like, I I have a chart prepared for time allotted. I'm going to go make a sandwich. Yeah. All right, just text me when you're done. (laughs) All right, here's every ID number for every <laughs> block in Minecraft. Um, one is stone, two is dirt. Oh, <laughs> no, uh, so yeah, I, I wanted to wait until because like the it's a weird ge- uh, terrain generation if you're going from like an older map to a newer update. So like the caves spawn in really weird patterns. So I kind of just wanted to start fresh. Um, so everything was uniform underground. So I made my world. Um, I went with an amplified, just normal biome size world, um, doing on survival. And then I also have like a map of it in creative so I can figure out some things. But yeah, I, I'm having a ton of fun. I, I've just been exploring, doing the normal kind of beginning stuff, and starting a new world's probably the most fun you'll have in Minecraft. It's before you start building these huge, massive projects where you need thousands of blocks. Um, so I spawned in a really cool area. I'm right next to a jungle, and then I'm next to a mesa, or like the cool colored clay area. Um, so it's, it's a really unique spawn point. I made my little peninsula of reeds and starting to get some resources. And then I found like a spider spawner. And then I ended up running into a zombie spawner, mm-hmm. um, trying to get some resources there. And it turns out it's a dual zombie spawner. Um, so you can get a crap ton of resources. And then it's maybe 50 blocks away from a double skeleton spawner. Okay. You're, you were saying, nonsensical stuff right now so tell me like the too long didn't read break this down like the spark notes like what what is okay so what all these spawns mean okay so spawners are like little dungeons in the world that you can find in caves Mm -hmm. um and it has like a a mob spawner in it and it pumps out skeletons oh so there are zombie like zombie skeletons spiders creepers around the world that spawn in dark but there's specific spawners that's like 
constantly spawn, if the area around it's dark, a specific mob. Okay. So I was able to find a skeleton spawner that was close enough away from, like, so it's it can activate 13 blocks away from you. And within another 13 blocks, there was another one of those skeleton dungeons. And that's a big deal. That's extremely rare. Okay. And then within 50 blocks away from that, I was able to find another except for two zombies. So I'm able to quickly get the loot from the zombies and skeletons. Okay. So it's Um, all about that loot. It is all about that loot. All Mm -hmm. about that booty. Mm. Okay. So what I was going for is I've always wanted to kind of build like an Erebor. Like, I love the idea of this giant dwarven structure. You have the gate, and then inside, it's just these beautiful halls of gold, and just, like, dwarves live there. Lord of the Rings reference, for those unaware. Exactly. And I found, like, because the amplified terrain is massive, so there's normal generation, which is, say, a mountain goes up 75 blocks. These mountains go up, like, 150 so the the size and scale of this generation is just exponential. So it gives me the caves and the mountains that I'm able to carve them out and kind of make dwarven structures. Mm-hmm. Um, and then within the mountain, which is like basically right next door to the little peninsula that, that had my base spawn, I was able to find like a side entrance that you can kind of sneak into Erebor, which really reminds me of how in The Hobbit they snuck in that with the key into a back entrance to Erebor. Yeah. And I was like, this is fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of my home base. I've come, kind of come up with a cool style. Um, and then I made like a little underground oasis area near the, the two double spawners. Nice. But... <laughs> Before you completely glaze over, <laughs> I'm just, uh, too long didn't read. I'm having a ton of fun. Dude, that's all I care um, about. Yeah, and that's probably what I'll play mostly over shutdown um, until I get into the games that I want to play next year. Which, The Witcher 2 Season 2 came out. Mm-hmm. or The Witcher Season 2 came out. Yeah. And I love Season 1. I totally forgot that it was going to drop uh, here in December. And last Saturday, that's literally all I did, was I watched, it's eight episodes, about an hour each, just sat there with the dog, just sipping on some coffee, playing Minecraft, and watched the entire season. And it's fantastic. Yeah, dude, I, I'm really excited. I mean, there's certain games that I've played over the past couple of years since we've been recording the podcast. I've talked about Final Fantasy 15 a number of times now. I think that game is really going to hit and cl- click with you. But The Witcher 3 being another one yep. that, like, you love stuff like Skyrim and Oblivion and, you know, Elder Scrolls-type games. The Witcher 3 takes that, but has the, – the story is so – or far more engaging than something like The Elder Scrolls, which I think is, again, probably going to ruffle some feathers here. Kind of forgettable in Skyrim. Yeah, I mean, from what I've heard of The Witcher 3 compared to, like, a Skyrim, a Skyrim side quests are mainly fetch quests. Mm-hmm. Get these Daedric objects. Go deliver this pie to this thing. Um, but what I've heard is The Witcher 3 side quests all have, like, Meaning. all stand on their own. They do. Yeah, so much so. Um, so that's why, like, I, I've watched a lot of things on Netflix over the last year. And it starts out with, there's, I forget the name of the anime, but maybe middle of this year, they came out with the Witcher anime, which it kind of 
is a prelude to like Geralt as the main character. And it kind of deals with how the Witcher organization, I guess, falls. And then it goes into kind of Geralt's story. And then that's where you pick up with season one of The Witcher. And then season two kind of follows that. Mm, okay. And then you start getting into like series freaking amazing. And then I know playing <sighs> The Witcher 3, like I think the opening sequence of The Witcher 3 is you're at kind of the hold with Siri jumping around. And then you start doing the training with the spells. Yep. And like you visit that in season two and the set looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like it, it brings me back to like, because I've played maybe seven to ten hours of The Witcher 3, but, like, being able to see that in person and, like, all the characters and the actors playing on that set mm-hmm. really made me want to play The Witcher 3. Yeah, I'm holding out for the PS5 patch that I hope comes out next year, early next year, uh, you know, with the Elden Rings and Horizon Forbidden Wests of the world. I don't know if I'm going to be in the mood to jump into like a Western RPG right away, but I really want to play the DLC for The Witcher 3 with the patch and then watch both seasons because I've yet to watch either season. Yeah, I'm trying to think of where The Witcher 3, because I want to play it, where that would fall. Because February is Horizon and Elden Ring like within a week. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm like, where does another RPG fall? You'll figure it so out. So, like, somewhere next year, I'll probably rewatch The Witcher, uh, both series, and play that. But, Heck yeah, yeah it dude. just got me excited. Um, so, anyone who has watched season one or hasn't, definitely worth watching. Season one, they jump around timeline-wise, like, past, present, and future. Or not, just past and present. And it's kind of jumbled, and they kind of make fun of it in season two. Like, hey, we're back to one kind of timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it almost breaks the fourth wall a little bit. But, yeah, this season two is fantastic. So Good deal, Definitely man. watch that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Nice. Good stuff. Anything what? else over the past week or so? No, I mean, if you want me to go on another Minecraft rant, I can. You know, I'm good. Yeah, okay. I'm good. <laughs> I saw that one coming. One rant an episode, you know. All that's, right. that's all. We've got to keep things under lock and key around Fair here. enough. Wait until we talk about RuneScape later. Oh, boy. So what did you play that this week? Yeah, so more of the same. Uh, I think last episode, I talked quite a bit about my adventures in Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And uh, I really kind of gotten to a point where i'm ready for this game to end i know a big complaint about this game is that it's just way too long and kind of the reason why i never played it is i don't need to play an assassin's creed game for 60 plus hours and those earlier hours where you're just raiding and pillaging these villages and getting on your viking boat and sailing the seas and finding these new territories and even the main quest line which the gameplay loop is really just you know finding a different territory you go back to your hub hub base You talk to this woman and she's like, which territory are you going to commit to conquering next? And then you go to that little island or that specific spot on the map and it kind of kicks off a series of quests. But when you've done that for like 40 hours and the quest lines don't really get any more interesting, the combat still is really satisfying and heavy and I love that about it. But what's kind of disappointing is that with The Witcher... You know, your decisions matter. There were definitely some more morally ambiguous decisions that you had to make that had significant consequences either in the near or long term. Yeah. And they kind of like queue up or tee up these decisions in Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Like, do you want to kill this person or spare their life? And it's like, oh, shit, I don't know. 
I mean, I'm in front of my, the entire village. Like, what are they going to think of me if I just cut this guy's throat right now? And of course, for me, you know, playing games like the Telltale series, The Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, uh, some of those, the Batman games that they made, I kind of have almost this PTSD of like when decisions went wrong for me or even The Witcher 3 when I made decisions I wasn't happy about the results later down the line. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to Google this, you know, because there's no timer on these decisions. It's just like, what are you going to do? So then I look in 98% of the time, it's like either decision doesn't really matter because in the end you end up having to kill the person anyways. Yeah. And it's like, well, well, then why are they even queuing up these things and why have they been doing that for 60 hours? What's the game series or the trilogy with Shepard as the main like space dude? Mass Effect. Yeah, Mass Effect. Wasn't the main complaint of the last game where like all your decisions over three games kind of culminated into like one. Ending? Three different choices, three I think, di- of what yeah. it was. Yeah, but even Mass Effect, like one, two and three for that matter had significant yeah, choices. Yeah, at least the individual games. That had a lot yeah. of weight to them. Like you literally were responsible for key members of your team living or dying that you've been on this adventure with for three games. Yeah. With Assassin's Creed Valhalla, it just seems so insignificant. And for a game that I pumped this amount of time into, and I don't want to say I'm like this, you know, in love with the characters because I'm really not. And to be honest with you, at this point, when I go to a new territory, I'm kind of just mashing through the dialogue like Mm -hmm. because I know it doesn't have any weight to it. Whether I listen to it or I don't, and they ask me a question later down the line of like, well, we talked about this earlier. It's kind of like you and the podcast. It's like, yeah, well, you know, repeat yourself. It's okay. You know, we'll, we'll get over ourselves. Um, <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. No. I feel I love valued. Yeah, it's all good. It's, cool. it's all good. Uh, yeah, it just – it's not really doing what it was for me in those earlier hours. And kind of what I was talking to uh, a friend of the show last night on Discord – Uh, Which, if you're not in the Discord, click that little link in the show notes. But I was talking to Nintai about it, and when I played The Witcher 3 last year, I clocked in at about 85, 90 hours by the time the credits rolled, and it felt like I played the game for 30 to 40. That's good. Time just went by so quickly, and as you were talking about, those side quests had so much weight to them, had so much significance to them, and they felt so meaningful and complementary to the main story. Mm Mm-hmm. Valhalla, I'm beelining the main story, and I feel like it doesn't have much mm, meaning, right? Yikes. And so I've put in-game time about 50 hours, and it feels like I've put 80 to 100. Which That's is, not good. <laughs> what, it sounds like I've talked to a few other folks about it, that everyone kind of ran into that, yeah. and they took a break because they didn't want to burn out. But I'm kind of at the point, like, if I put this down, I'm not coming back to it. Yeah, that's that's a complaint I heard when it originally came out. And does that mean you've stopped your Viking kick? Like, are you still watching Vikings season I am. five? Well, and so the, I'm kind of getting the rich storytelling in that show while I'm playing Valhalla. So I'm kind of like mashing the buttons in Valhalla, going through the motions, if you will. Yeah. And I have Vikings on the computer watching that while I play. Okay. So it's like I'm getting the authentic... The authentic- Authenticity. The authentic storytelling that I want in Valhalla through Vikings, but I'm basically playing everything out on screen <laughs> in Valhalla, if that makes hey, sense. Hey, whatever gets you there. I mean, yeah. so did, did you look up where quest, like main quest you are? Like where in the sequence So of things might missions? change later down the line. Territories might expand, but I've conquered 13 of the 15 territories. Nice. And it okay. says I'm about 80% through Ivor's saga. 
So it says I've I've basically finished 80% of the main story arcs and each territory, those those quest lines that are kind of under that umbrella of the territory could take anywhere from two to five hours to complete. Okay, so you got what, like 10 hours left if you've played 50 hours? Yeah, so I'm thinking I probably have about 10 to 15 hours left, which I'm happy to get through because... Again, I'm looking for something kind of mindless to play at the tail end of the year right now yeah. uh, to kind of complement watching a show, Twitch streams, that type of stuff. So I'm going to play this to completion. I'm nearly there. I'm not going to put it down now. I'm still enjoying my time. I know I'm dwelling on the negative aspects of it. You know, I, the next question is like, would you recommend this to other people? If you're not a fan of open world games, stay clear of this, right? Steer clear. Okay. The other thing I was talking to Nintai last night about is that few games can keep me engaged past the 30-hour mark. You know, God of War was even teetering on the idea of, like, I'm ready for this to end. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of major moments in that that keep accelerating the momentum. But, like, at a certain point, it's like, do we need 35 hours of this? I certainly don't need 60 hours of Valhalla. Mm -hmm. I felt like the 85 hours of Witcher 3 was warranted. So if you're not into the open world thing, Valhalla is definitely not going to be for you. But if you're really into Norse mythology and you really loved kind of the foundation that something like God of War set and you're wanting more of that and you're not really worried about spending a lot of time in a game, getting lost and doing side quests and exploring this gargantuan map that has like 4 million collectibles, then yeah, check Valhalla out. Especially if you're someone that's not worried about getting a 10 to 20 hour fix and just saying, like, I don't need to see credits roll in this game. Yeah. If you're at that point, then, yeah, pick up Valhalla, especially for how cheap it is now. So then I know, like, a week or two ago, you're on, like, Assassin's Creed everything kick. Are you, are you like, still planning on going to Odyssey or the other Origins anytime soon? Not anytime soon. Uh, my buddy, who's kind of, like, a super fan of the Assassin's Creed games, he's yeah. platinumed odyssey origins and valhalla he told me that origins is getting dlc next year and a 60 frames per per second patch so origins is definitely going to be the next one i play just because ever since that egyptian setting was announced i was like i want to play that and then when i realized that it was a much different game i was like uh i think that one compared to odyssey odyssey had like rpg mechanics where at like for outfit wise Whereas I think Origins had like you get outfits, but they're not too, they don't really deal too much with your stats. Mm -hmm. And then you could also go into like a historical mode where you could actually get facts about everything you're looking at. I'm all about that. Yeah. Which is is really cool when I heard about that. Yeah. So that's all I'll say about Valhalla. I'll play it to completion. Uh, It's not making my game of the year list or anything like that. And it won't make it next year either, I don't think. Um, But I, I have. I have thoroughly enjoyed my time with all the shortcomings and it being too long and everything else I've said to this point, but it's been a good time. Great. Last game I'll mention is a little 3D platformer. Should be no surprise. Rusty's, you know, while he's playing these open world games, he's got to have a little side gig over here, (laughs) a little 3D platformer, (laughs) and that's Castle on the Coast. Uh, I hadn't heard about this game until our good friend Pete Dorr was streaming it a couple nights back. And immediately I was like, oh, yeah, this is totally a signature R.E. Lewis 2011 type of game. (laughs) You play as a little draft named George. And, you know, 3D platformers, I don't want to say they're a dime a dozen because they're really not nowadays. 
But these super cheap ones that are easy platinums kind of can be because yeah. I've played a lot of them. But this one has a unique mechanic where you basically parkour around the environments. I don't know if I've seen that in a platformer. I definitely haven't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's games where you can kind of, you know, break, if you will, by jumping around the environment just because the the platforming mechanics aren't very tight. Mm-hmm. But this one was built from the ground up with that in mind. It's very floaty movements. You can kick off the side of a building to propel yourself higher. You have the double jump. You have the dive. It, this is the kind of the bare bones 3D platforming that I love. And what really kind of surprised me is just the ridiculous dialogue. Like if you've seen Rick and Morty, like think a PG scratch out the inappropriate humor. Yeah. That's the type of dialogue that you have in this game. It's very weird. It's very goofy. And I love it. So uh, top 10, where does that fall? <laughs> it doesn't fall in the top 10 yeah. this year. It won't fall in the top 10 next year. Uh, yeah. But it's it's absolutely, if you're a fan of 3D platformers, in the sea of them that are out there on, on the PlayStation Store, and it's on Switch. I think it's on Xbox. I know it's on Steam. Uh, this is definitely one that I'd confidently recommend to people that are a fan of the, the genre. Do you know how long it is or how many worlds there are? Or There's like four worlds? worlds, if you will. I beat it in about five to six hours. Okay. I'm still working on the platinum because I'm at the point, like if for anyone that's played the Spyro games out there and you're trying to 100% it and you have like 99 out of 100 gems in a particular world. And you feel like you've explored every square inch of that level and you still can't find that damn gem. That's where I'm at with Castle on the Coast. In the three different environments, I've collected all but one of the collectible. And because the game is so new, there's no guides out there. There's no YouTube walkthroughs. Are there like hidden walls and things that like they could be the gems could be hidden behind or? Yeah, but I, I'm at the point like Spyro where I feel like I've squared every square inch of the map and I can't find these things. Yeah, no, I definitely get that. And that's the one thing preventing me from getting that platinum to pop. Yeah, I think that happened with Horizons like DLC. I didn't get the platinum on the DLC because I was missing one thing that didn't hit. Like, I actually grabbed it, but it never popped. Mm-hmm. So, in my head, like, I've completed Horizon. So, I completely get that. Yeah. But still a good time. Would confidently recommend to all you 3D platforming fans out there. Last thing I'll say, Ryan. Not a game I played. But I felt kind of exposed this week. I felt oh. a little ashamed. Were you at home? Or actually. <laughs> <laughs> like a Kroger's. <laughs> I was just exposed. So... The other night, I was playing some Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I was just straight chilling. Lauren had gone to bed already. It was late. I mean, comparatively speaking, I mean, it was like 10, 30, 11. Okay. And I was just checking to see, and I do this often for a, a select few people, uh, you being one of them, uh, Bet Broland one, Sexy Ben, if you're familiar with him, uh, my buddy Charlie, and our good friend Blink. Yeah. I go to see, you know, are they online? Well, they're online. They're playing some PlayStation stuff. What are they playing tonight? Oh, <laughs> Oh, Blink's playing a short hike. One of my favorite games from 2021 or 2020. What year is it? It's 2021. So yeah, yeah. 2020, one of my favorite games of the year. I played it on Switch. I streamed it even. Yeah. Fun little game. And I knew it came to PlayStation because I had it wishlisted and I also bought it with the anticipation of replaying it because one, it's a terrific little wholesome game and easy platinum. So I was like, oh, <laughs> I wonder how Blink's 
little platinum journey is going with the short hike. And you know, like, how swift and easy it is to navigate the PlayStation menus. Yeah. I mean, it feels like it's just, you're clicking the buttons and everything's happening so fast. Yeah, they respond. Sometimes you click buttons you don't mean to, even. And I clicked on Blink's profile, and I meant to click his PlayStation trophies to see what's been going down with the trophy collecting. And at like 10, 30, 11 at night, I clicked join voice chat. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, no, shit, shit, shit. And so like I immediately tried to back out. And I still to this day don't know how to exit out of a voice chat. Well, it's so awkward when you're leaving some of those groups. You're like, hey, man, I'll see you. And then it's like 10 seconds of silence where like you can see them still in your chat. You're like, fuck, I need to get out of here. Leave, leave, leave. <laughs> yeah. So I immediately was like, oh, my gosh, I got to message him. I'm so so I, I queued up discord got into his dms and i'm like mr blinkum sir i'm so sorry like i accidentally <laughs> you know are we still friends got into your voice chat and then as i'm typing the message i just hear through my playstation 5 controller hello <laughs> <laughs> and i immediately was just like uh blink so i totally was just trying to track your trophies <laughs> um please forgive me and thankfully Blink is a very forgiving and kind person, and uh, he said no sweat, and we talked about a few things, and then we went on our merry way. But uh, I just wanted to publicly apologize to Blink for interrupting his playtime with a short hike, uh, for you know, kind of giving him the subtle hint that yes, I kind of spy on your trophy collection at least once a week. His response is like, "Hey, I know you're at this trophy level." I just checked, so uh, yeah. I'm better than you. Are you. Did he ever surpass you? He hasn't, but as part of my 2022 gaming resolutions and goals, uh, it's going to be playing a lot more games on other platforms that do not have trophies, and with that in mind, I could see Blink surpassing me. Ooh, 2022, it's your year, Blink. Yeah. Get it. I, I've held the crown for like a, quite some time to be honest with you. And, and I'm ready to pass the baton. I'm ready for, for some new royalty to kind of take blood. the take yeah. the platinum trophy reins. So uh, all good stuff. So Blink, once again, I'm sorry, buddy, but I'm sure you kind of enjoyed the conversation. You got to talk to me uh, late at night. That was good fun, right? Right? All right. Well, right. those are all the games that we've played this week. One last thing I do want to mention, we're not going to go into spoiler territory, so no one freak out if you haven't seen it yet. But you and I saw Spider-Man No Way Home on yes, Monday. Yes, we did. Yeah. What'd you think of it? It was great. Um, I had high expectations. I mean, I, I don't know what my expectations... Actually, coming out of Endgame, everything's kind of been a letdown Marvel-wise. Mm, mm-hmm. You have the Netflix series, which didn't really hit... You mean Disney Plus? Or what'd I say? You said Netflix. Netflix. It's all good. Yeah, Disney Plus. Um, you have the Eternals... Um, there's been a few other Shang Chi, yeah, Black um, Widow, yeah. I didn't ever saw Black Widow. I never saw Eternals. Shang Chi was all right, but like Spider Man No Way Home was supposed to be the one, just mm-hmm. like the the Holy Grail mm-hmm. of the Marvel kind of next phase. And as far as setting expectations high for this next phase, it definitely hit that. Oh yeah, um, it hit all the beats which I kind of expected it to hit, and. I'm glad for that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the problem is, I don't know if it'll be a letdown for all the other movies to come after it with this bar set so high. It's set pretty high. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I had a really good time. Mm-hmm. And 
it was a lot longer than I thought it would be. Yeah, it's like two and a half, two hours, yeah. two hours and 30 minutes. And th- that's not a complaint. Like, every kind of phase of the movie was a ton of fun. The The dialogue was great. The character interactions, I mean, similar. I mean, that trio of kind of main cast, similar to the first two movies, really hit. All their mm-hmm. dialogue. I, I really like the dynamic that they all have. Oh, yeah. And that was, I mean, seen in this one as well. Um, so, yeah, I had a great time. Me too. I loved it. Definitely uh, met my expectations and in some cases I think exceeded them. There really wasn't anything about the film that I was disappointed with. Uh, I felt like Tom Holland really came into his own as Spider-Man and Peter Parker. Of course, this is no spoiler, but as you saw in the trailers, is like he's really trying to strike that balance of both being Peter Parker and being Spider-Man yeah. and kind of the responsibility that he has with both roles and, and navigating that. And I felt like this was probably... Not only the funniest, certainly Spider-Man movie, but in this MCU, maybe the darkest. Yeah, it, I, I think so. I, I'm trying to think back of the 23 films in the last kind of couple phases. Certainly up there with some of the more darker ones. Like I look at something like Endgame being a bit darker, given the stakes of that movie and the events. Yeah, I, I would definitely say it's on the darker side. It It's not as, like, it's higher stakes than I say probably most of them are. And then with that comes broaching, like, darker topics. Yeah. Well, I, I think it weaved in pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. And I went back and watched Homecoming earlier in the week. And that is such a happy-go-lucky, just a fantastic movie post, I think, Civil War. Yeah, maybe uh, where Peter Parker is really kind of coming into his own as a young Spider-Man that he's just he loves it. He loves donning the suit. It's just kind of a game for him. And then he quickly realizes that, like, oh, this is bigger than just like going out and kind of having fun. Yeah. Right. There's there's actually significance to uh, wearing this suit and responsibility that comes with it. But, yeah, I love No Way Home. We won't get into spoilers. I would definitely implore anyone that is a big Spider-Man fan to go and see this as soon as possible because I mean, now that I've, you know, been going through social media, it's, there's so many articles out there that are pointing to things that are significant spoilers. Yeah. And uh, you want to avoid that as, as best you can, because uh, hopefully for those that have gone and seen it already, or that will see it have kind of an engaging theater uh, experience, because I know during key moments, like our theater was like, Oh, gosh it's happening you know uh and that's always so exciting because it's been a long time since we've been able to go to theaters with covid and now as things start to get a little worse it's it's still difficult to get an authentic theater experience and uh with stuff like star wars and even the recent bond movie and of course something like spider-man i want there to be an engaging audience and i think we definitely had that yeah i mean I think Star Wars or Disney uses that one of like the reveals, um, like the theater reaction where someone actually video cameraed, or maybe it was, no, I think it was Endgame where it was Captain America got the hammer. Oh yeah, and you see the theater just like, oh yes, holy shit, I knew it. Yeah, and like that kind of reaction, feeling that for like this next phase is great. Mm-hmm. I, it's. I don't know if cinema will ever die. I hope not, because that's what should keep it alive is those interact or that kind of atmosphere. Those moments. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, get out there and see Spider-Man No Way Home and uh, keep playing 3D platformers. Maybe check out Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And Minecraft. Um, 
In Minecraft. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Craft those minds. But, uh, Ryan, that's kind of the first half of our show. I think it's time for us to get into the main topic, to get yes. into the meat and potatoes of why the people are here. Let's do it. We got the appetizer out of the way. Let's uh, get to the steak right, and potatoes. let's get into it. Let's get into it. This is the moment everyone's been waiting for. Our 2021 top 10 games of the year. But let's get a lay of the land real quick before we get into our top 10 and start rattling these bad boys off. We're going to kind of kick things off just with some general stats. Everyone loves some statistics. Yes. Some analysis into our top 10 games of the year and just the games that we've beaten. Right. So we're going to get into some of that. I have three honorable mentions. Do you have any? I beat nine games. Okay. So I have total played 16 different games this all year. Right, all right. Um, so I have a few different okay. stats. Maybe okay. not honorable mentions hey, per se. It's all good. We make our own rules here and we're just here to have fun. So then we'll get into our top 10 games. Okay. Then after that, I'll go up to my list of things we got to get through here. So we have those six award categories, right? So mm-hmm. after we talk through our personal 10, we'll kind of go through what we or what games were awarded for those six particular categories. And then we'll get into the community game of the year. We have 15 emails to get through. It's going to be a lot. Hopefully I have enough water and tea to kind of keep my mouth and everything fresh because got a lot of reading to do. You guys wrote some like war and peace novels and I love it. (laughs) Then we have the giveaway. Yeah. And then we'll fade out with some slapping, banging, bumping music. Yeah. Even hyping that. Uh, ending music so i'm excited it's gonna be good i promise i spent like 12 hours putting it together you're gonna love it everyone will all right but ryan what i want to hear before we get into any of this stuff is lay down some stats for us what's going on over there okay so as far as like overall genres that i've played there's two kind of main stickouts um that i've played most of and that's action rpg which mm. is kind of not a surprise to anyone if you've listened to the podcast and then also platformers nice so as far as i mean out of the 16 games uh, action RPGs were seven. Okay. Um, so nearly half. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for platformers, I had five. Hell yeah, man. So up in your genre. And then I had a few other ones, like one roguelike, a simulation, some sports. But yeah, the main 
meat and potatoes of my year are kind of the core kind of genres that I usually play. Okay, good stuff. Um, as far as the, the years that the games came out, um, it's a wide range, ranging from 2001 up to 2021. Um, mainly in the newer games. So 21, I had six games played from this year. Oh, good for you. Nice. Um, and then as far as 2020, I had four games. Okay. Um, the other big, the next, uh, largest was 2018, which had three. Okay. Okay. But the big kind of stat is games played. So it turns out that I've played about 1500 hours of games this year. Whoa. 1,579 hours and I think 17 minutes. When at least 1,450 of those were RuneScape. I, I, I have that stat, <laughs> which is why I sent you a text this year. I'm like, do you have a number that like you're most played? Because I, I figured it's in like the 60s or something. Yeah, that's a great question. That's why I was kind of curious because just like in comparison, I know you spread your games out over like 40 different games. Well, and all the games that I beat this year, like last year I beat The Witcher 3, I beat Final Fantasy 15, Xenoblade Chronicles. Like I pumped some time into some meaty RPGs last year. Yeah. This year I kind of cooled it a little bit and I didn't play many RPGs. And so that's that's one of my 2022 goals is to get back into the JRPG scene. Yeah. But most of my beats this year were kind of quick hits. I had some lengthy ones. But nothing that I was spending 80, 100 hours in. Okay, I have a few of those. Yeah. So I can run through. Um, so just as reference, anything from like 10 to 16, it's like five hours to two hours. And that includes- You mean 10 to six? From like my- So I'm going to go through like top 10 real quick. So just really top five. But like for my most played 10 games- Oh. From like- 10 to 16, which is my last game played, it's a range from about five hours per game to two hours with the lowest. Okay, I think I'm following, but let's Okay, so like Mario going. Golf, I played for two hours. Oh, okay. Up to my 11th game, which is Final Fantasy VII, which was five hours. Um, and Got then it. getting into the top 10 is where I start like beating games. Um, so Tropical Freeze is my number 10. I put 10 hours into that, beat that. And then getting up to number five, it's exponentially longer which is Monster Hunter Stories 2. Holy shit. Are you like naming off your top 10 games right now? No, I'm just saying this is like no hours played. Oh. So like this is going from least played to most pl- played. And I'm going to go through my top five most played hour wise. Okay. It takes me some time to process. So I'm okay. getting it now. It's cool. I'm picking up you. what you're throwing down. Not the uh, sharpest tool in the shed, I guess. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so yeah. my number five most played game hour wise is Monster Hunter Stories 2. Any guesses on the time? Probably about 60. Okay, it was 60. Yeah. Um, Along with number four, which was Dead Cells, which was 60 hours as well. Okay, nice. Um, Then we up it to Animal Crossing, which Mm. I finished this year. This year, you probably pumped 250. (laughs) That was 2020. So overall in Animal Crossing, I have 410 hours. Okay, so like 160-ish, something like that? It's actually only 70 hours. Oh. So not terrible. Okay. For all the crap I get out of that. Yeah. <laughs> Animal Crossing. Then we jump up to Monster Hunter Rise. And this was like a month or two of my gameplay. 110. 145. Whoa. Okay. And that's my number two. Number one is the RuneScape. Yeah. I mean, if I just get a calculator out and start like <laughs> subtracting those other numbers from the 2,000 hours you mentioned earlier. What do you think it is? It's 
I mean, if I just do some quick math in my head, it's probably about 1050. Okay. 1050. It is, I actually, there is a way to check your age of your character in Lumbridge, the starting town. Uh-huh. And I checked that Friday. Um, 47 days, 11 hours, 17 minutes. So if you multiply 47 by 24, what it is? It is uh, 1139. Damn. Um, and then the 17 minutes is 0.28. Wow. So a big jump. That's uh, intense. Yeah. And that's mainly like, that's the background noise to all the Netflix shows I watch. Yeah. But no, I get yeah, that. That's uh, it's, I don't know if that's even exponential. That's just, yeah, it's, it's a lot of time. Mm-hmm. So I figured that was just an interesting stat. It's a really long tail and then just up to a million with RuneScape. Wow. Wow. Yeah. What about you for stats? Stats. So I've got like five quick bullet points that I'll hit on here, none of which should be too surprising for people out there. So at the time of recording this on December 24th, 2021, it is 1129 a.m. Eastern Standard, if you're curious. (laughs) I've beaten 49 games for the year. Wow. For as long as I've been keeping track, which is really just since we started recording the podcast for how many games I've beaten over the year, um, you know, during my YouTube days, I do like end of the year showcase of here's all the games I beat, but I, I don't have like any spreadsheets archived of like, here's everything I beat. Yeah. So a- ever since I've been archiving through and keeping track on spreadsheets, this is the most I've ever beaten. 49. Congrats. So 49 beats this year. I'm hoping to get to 50. Uh, before the new year, Lauren and I, I didn't talk about this in games we're playing recently. We're playing a game called Never Alone, which is this really interesting little indie game that you can play cooperatively with one other person. Uh, you play as this, um, I want to say Eskimo, like I'm, I'm, it's probably not culturally, it's, that's not culturally, culturally sensitive, but, um, you play as kind of this Eskimo person with this little Arctic fox And you're kind of navigating this Arctic world after your village has been burned down Mm -hmm. and you're kind of like running away from polar bears. And it's just kind of like a really simplistic uh, puzzle platformer. It takes like an hour and a half to beat. Lauren and I are playing that right now. uh, And I expect fully to beat that game before the end of the year and get to 50 beats. So what did you have last year for beats? Uh, That's a great question. I can pull that up. I want to say that was also in the 40s, right? Two seconds. I beat 37. Wow. So you really upped your game. Yeah. So 37 in 2020. In 2019, I only beat 26. And then in 2018, I actually went nuts. This is when I had the porn dungeon, that little room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I missed the porn dungeon. Under So for context for new listeners to Talking <laughs> yeah, Brothers. We need to specify that one. Um, what, Lauren and I, my wife, our first apartment uh it was a one bedroom apartment, so we didn't have much room, but I wanted to have my place to play games. We had this closet. If you've seen Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, I mean, this was legitimately like a Harry Potter closet under the staircase of the Dursley house. We had a ridiculous amount of space tucked into this closet of ours. Mm-hmm. And I asked Lauren, I'm like, can this be like my game space? Like yeah. move all the stuff in this closet to our parents' house, put it in their basement for now I'll get a little CRT TV, get a little chair and put my games in there. And she's like, yeah, no big deal. So I went nutso that year for games. Plus, this is the first year that I got a PlayStation 4. Mm -hmm. So I was just experiencing that catalog of PlayStation 4 games. So I kind of went nuts on the beats and I beat 45. And then if you're thinking of Harry Potter's kind of under the stairs um, closet, his opens from the side. 
the porn dungeon opened from the back. So it was a good amount of room yeah. uh, to actually look at the TV and store stuff. And I think it was Matt who came up with the porn dungeon. Yeah, you're a friend of yours called yeah. it the porn dungeon. It, it and we kind of just rolled with it. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, 49 beats this year, 45 in 2018, I think 26 and then 37 or something like that. So definitely this is the most I've beaten since I've been keeping track. This one I'm a little sad to admit because I have such a ridiculous backlog across a number of different consoles. My only non-PlayStation game that I beat this year out of those 49 was Mario Golf Wow! on the Switch, which is disappointing because our Switch backlog is insane. Um, even some of my more retro consoles like PS1, 2, Wii, GameCube, N64, you get into the handheld scene. Like I have so many games... So in, in many cases unplayed, but I was just crushing the PlayStation backlog this year. So neither here nor there, but something worth bringing up, I think for sure, especially as we anticipate our next episode where we'll talk about our 2022 gaming resolutions. Yeah. For me, my, like most of mine are switch. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, trust you- me. I, I looked at your PlayStation trophies and I, I made a point to see which games did he start playing this year. <laughs> So <laughs> yeah, it's not a lot. I've done my homework. Yeah. Uh, my next stat, again, not all too surprising given what I talk about a lot on this podcast. If Ryan, for every time he mentions RuneScape, Minecraft, Animal Crossing, or Monster Hunter, what's the one thing that Rusty, outside of platformers, that he mentions on this show? RPGs. Platinum trophies, baby. <laughs> I'm like that. <laughs> you ruled out platformers. I was like. Fuck, that's literally all you talk about. I'm like just drawing a blank. <laughs> I was like, what other genre is there? <laughs> yeah, I didn't really tee that up well for no, you. No, I was like, that could be so many things. Scooby, I don't know. Yeah. So 23 platinum trophies this year. Wow. Yeah. What are you? What's your total now? 63, I think. Okay. So you I think you're ever going to get to 100? Oh, yeah. Okay. For sure. Probably not next year because, again, I'm really going to try and take a backseat to PlayStation stuff outside of, like, the major releases. Like, I'll get Elden Ring on PS5. Off Horizon. Horizon Forbidden West is an exclusive to the platform. Uh, a number of other games that are coming out for the system, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And there are some uh, PS4 games that I want to knock off the backlog next year, or at least work on. Okay. So, yeah, I'm still going to be beating PlayStation games next year, which means that that trophy count will increase but there's just so many other games that i want to focus on next year but we'll get to that in the next episode of otaku brothers so stay tuned uh getting back to platformers of my 49 beats ryan how many do you think were platformers i want to say like 30 like wow you think of the 49 (laughs) 30 are platformers dude because you get like yeah, it's your go-to. Mm-hmm. Maybe that might be a little high. Maybe half, like 25. 18 is the okay. number. Yeah, so 18 platformers this year. And this stat, actually, this final one that I have surprised me because more often than not, especially since you and I have been doing this podcast, as we kind of get into uh, how we built our list for top 10, uh, normally I don't play a lot of that year releases. Or I, I don't normally beat a lot of games that came out that year yeah when we start building these lists but i actually beat 11 2021 releases wow which is pretty significant for me yeah normally that's yeah that's not the case for me um so 
Those are all of my stats. Before we even get into our honorable mentions, one thing I want to preface this by saying, and Ryan's kind of already alluded to it as he's kind of mentioned some games that made his made its way into his top 10, is that I don't really pigeonhole myself to just 2021 releases or the year that the games came out for building my list for top 10. Just because normally, like I just said, I don't play a lot of games that came out that year. Mm-hmm. Um, normally, I don't have 10, 20, 21 released games to include, right? So I did include some games that came out prior to this year in my list. Um, but that's what makes building this list so fun is that I think everyone kind of has different rules that they kind of make for themselves. Um, yeah. and, and that's why these lists are also so personal to you and me but also the people that submitted for their particular uh, game of the year categories. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I mean, like I don't play as many games um, or beat as many games as rusty. So, I mean, hell I've beaten nine games this year, so I don't even have a top 10 list. And I mean, time wise, like that stat of 1100 hours, that's a main reason why. So as far as me, I'm going to have one that I haven't beaten, Mm -hmm. um, but I think definitely deserves to be there. Um, and then as far as that, yeah, I mean, playing 16 games, they're not going to all beat from 21. So for me, it's more of a free-for-all. Games that I've played or beaten, just enjoyed, that I think in the order of top 10. Heck yeah, dude. You know, we make our own rules, like I said earlier. And especially when it comes to the top 10 thing, we're just trying to have fun here. And I certainly had a heck of a good time putting together this top 10. To the point where, like, the past three weeks, I don't even know how many hours I spend, like, you know, so often I get like one through five locked in. I'm like, mm-hmm. nothing is knocking this game off uh, for the, the number one spot. And even two and three are not negotiable. And then it's like, you know, you, you get you start talking about four through six. You kind of get those locked in. And then you get, you know, seven through ten. And you're like, that's it. That's the list. And then I wake up the next day and it's like, I don't think ten should even be on the list. Yeah. And then it's like, why is nine there? That should be seven. Yeah, it's a process and it's a fun process that I love doing every single year. I start really kind of start putting that list together around uh, mid to late November, because by then about 70 percent of the games that are going to make their way on the top 10 are kind of non-negotiable, if you will. Like they're yep. they're going to be on the top 10. But enough of how Rusty's mind works and how I put these games together. What I want to hear, Ryan, is do you have any honorable mentions? Um. I mean, most of the games outside of my top 10, I've played for like five hours. Okay. Um, besides Animal Crossing, again, that was my game of the year. I think I, that's my only honorable mention is it was my game of the year for last year, a perfect 2020. It released at the optimal time for furloughs and us to just pump so many hours in. Um, and then going back to it this year after taking maybe a year break from it and just kind of finishing out my island kind of closing what i think is a good like a bookend to the Mm -hmm. game um and really not feeling the need to have to go back but if i want to go back and kind of wrap up fish or whatever i can it was just it was a good kind of feeling finally i mean having played other animal crossing games being able to close out and definitively say like i'm happy where this ended whereas like the last generation's 3ds game like i still had a lot to do like Mm -hmm. as far as my house or the catalog, but like now having all the DIY recipes and stuff on this game and having my island completely decked out, I'm fine saying like I've beat Animal Crossing, which is a completely open-ended game. Like going into RuneScape, like MMORPGs, 
there's no real clear end. Yeah. But I can say that, like, I've beaten Animal Crossing in my mind. Like, similar to you with your platformer where I have all but one gem. Yeah. Kind of thing. Well, no, that shit needs to, to end. <laughs> I'm going to get that damn platinum if it kills me. But yeah. No, yeah. We- <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of my main mention. If you haven't played Animal Crossing, play it. It's great. It's pro- It's on sale, most likely. And if you ever want things and stuff, I have a billion bells. So Yeah, I'm Ryan can hook you up. Ryan can hook you up. Yeah. So that's considered an honorable mention for you. Yes. Okay. For sure. Good deal. Is that really it for you? That's the- it. I mean, besides that, I mean, you get into like Mario Golf and stuff. I, Nexamon was the other kind of main game that didn't fall in the top 10. Um, Pokemon, as we've talked about over these last couple episodes with Pokemon Brilliant, Diamond, and Pearl coming out, it, it's the series has changed a ton. Mm-hmm. And what's cool about Nexamon is it makes fun of the genre itself and the dialogue is fantastic like it's self-aware breaks the fourth wall and just makes fun of other games in the genre yeah so if you haven't played nexamon it's on switch it's a good time it's on i think playstation and probably xbox as well Mm -hmm. it's worth picking up um, if you're into collecting creatures and doing that kind of battle system and it's based off of stamina instead of pp Mm. for moves um, but yeah, it's a good time. 376 Nexamon to collect. Oh, cool. Um, nice. So a, a pretty fleshed out game over the two games in the series. Yeah. Well, good stuff, dude. I have three honorable mentions that I'll go through uh, relatively quickly here because I do want to focus most of our time on the top 10 and the community uh, game of the year submissions for sure. My first one, I believe I talked about it at some point earlier in the year, is Greece. Uh, or Gree, if you will. This is a side-scrolling indie platformer with just a beautiful, stunning watercolor aesthetic. Um, you know, there's really no dialogue in the game. A lot of the story is kind of just told out with these subtle cutscenes that uh, that you kind of see throughout the course of you know the two to three hour experience. It's very brief, but very much like Journey, uh, emotionally moving, and certainly something that I'd recommend to just about everyone. Um, Lauren played it, I think, last year, maybe even earlier this. She loved it. Our boy Blink reached out to me on Discord at some point in the year and was like, yo, there's this awesome Grease figure. Lauren loved Grease. You want a happy Lauren? You should hook her up with this. (laughs) I trust my friends, so I hooked her up with that. I bought it on eBay, and uh, I'm thankful that I did because at that point I hadn't played the game, and subsequent to playing it, I'm that much more thankful for, one, my friendship with Blink, but two getting that figure sitting on the shelf. Yeah, it's so, a really cool figure. Grease is a really nice game. Definitely recommend playing it. It's probably 10 bucks or less on the eShop, Xbox Store, PSN, whatever. Highly recommend Grease. It just couldn't squeak into my top 10. I'll save this one for last. The next one I'll skip over to is Marvel's Avengers. This is something that I really had little interest in playing. A lot of that comes into play with the Marvel for fatigue post-Endgame. Really wasn't interested in consuming anything related to the MCU until something like Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah. But I remember seeing Marvel's Avengers um, for cheap on PS5 during that kind of earlier time in the year where I knew I wasn't going to get Returnal Day 1 and Marvel's Avengers was like 20 bucks. This was a week that I actually had to house sit uh, at my dad's and pet sit for my sister's dog. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Because my dad and my sister went on vacation and I'm like... You know, I'm going to take my PS5 to my dad's place. I'm going to camp out there for a week. And I just kind of need something, not mindless, but something that's kind of 
not too taxing on the brain, but, you know, you can just beat people up and have fun doing it. And Marvel's Avengers was kind of perfect for that uh, week of time. I think I beat it in a week. And I was actually pleasantly surprised with the game. Um, I'm sure Square Enix and Crystal Dynamics have done quite a bit of work post its release. There's ridiculous amount of like DLC and additional content, um, stuff that I've yet to experience that I know I want to. I think they added Spider-Man recently, the Black Panther DLC that I want to eventually get to. Yeah. Uh, but playing as Miss Marvel, Thor, Black Widow, uh, Captain America, all those characters I felt controlled very distinctly. And uh, it was just a good time, you know? I mean, 8 to 12 hours or whatever it took to beat that campaign. I did enjoy it. And I know I got it for you for your birthday. So I'd love to eventually go back and play some co-op with you. Yeah, and as we're going through, I mean, we'll get to the next segment for our kind of six um, items. There was one of those new questions where it was like games you picked up this year but never played. Mm -hmm. And that was definitely one of the uh, contenders for that list. Yeah. Yeah, so Marvel's Avengers, if you've been holding out for this point and you have any inkling of interest in the MCU, give it a try. I think for the price it's going for nowadays is absolutely worth um, picking up and, again, giving it a try. The last one, I know I've gotten a lot of flack, as many people have that enjoyed this game, and uh, I, I still did very much enjoy my time with it. I had my frustrations, just as many people did, and I think a lot of people expected this to be like a top five game for me, uh, but given the number of platformers that I play uh, and the ones that I played this year that I thought were much better and I enjoyed my time beginning to end uh, far more than this one, Balan Wonder World is only an honorable mention. Uh, I, I picked it up day one. I don't regret paying full price for this. I know they're basically giving these away free and happy meals at McDonald's at this point because <laughs> yeah. very few people played it. Uh, it was just what was most crushing to me about this is I'm not really a big fan of negativity in any sense of the word, because um, there's a very big difference between criticism and negativity. And I think even sometimes some of the things you and I talk about uh, on this podcast, whether it's Pokemon or the MCU or whatever it really is, um, criticism can be uh, misinterpreted for like cruelty. And yeah. what kills me about Balan Wonderworld is like people were coming after Sega and Yuji Naka and really just the entire development team about how trash this game was. And is it, you know, on par with the Mario Odysseys of the world? Absolutely not. But it was never going to be. Um, is there a competent, playable 3D platformer that's super charming, a wonderful, delightful soundtrack, even if the the platform mechanics aren't tight, kind of sloppy, not so good, and not a fully baked costume mechanic in there as well. Yeah, like it is not great, but it is competent. It's playable, and I had fun with it. Good. Um, and I hope that others that enjoy 3D platformers will at least give it a try. Uh, it overstays its welcome. After about, I think, eight or nine chapters, each chapter has two levels. I was like, uh, I'm ready for this game to end. And especially those final few chapters uh, were very cumbersome. I didn't like the level design. And for that and a few other reasons, it just didn't make my top 10. That's fair. I mean, that's, I mean, even as an honorable mention, that's higher than expected it. Yeah. For, or at least your initial impressions, but nice. Yeah. So Balan Wonderworld, my final honorable mention. But Ryan, 
I think it's about time we get into our top 10 games of the year. So it begins. What so do you say begins. you kick things off by sharing your number 10? All right. Uh, so my number 10 is RuneScape. Oh, okay. I, thought, yeah. I honestly thought that'd be higher. No. Uh, I mean, this is a game. I mean, it, th- that's the one game that came out in 2001. And I started playing maybe 2005. Um, 2007 or old school RuneScape is kind of the server that I was playing on. And Ben convinced me to make a new character because I was kind of craving that just nostalgia. I mean, this is literally middle school, high school, college. Like you never really get away from RuneScape. Mm -hmm. And I I was just kind of craving it. Um, And going back to that kind of childhood feel getting out of like RS3, which is what the game turned into. I made a new character and uh, kind of reluctantly because i know what rabbit hole that begins and 1100 hours later i'm i'm good to put it down now um i named my character i guess i'm back as (laughs) a passive aggressive like uh i am fuck i'm here i guess and uh yeah i I really enjoyed my time with it um this was kind of like comfort food. I was in the video game slump most of the year, really. Mm-hmm. Um, this is second year of COVID lockdown. So it's kind of weird being at home distinguishing between like I'm in an apartment. So I don't have like the difference between my work area and my living quarters. So That's it's tough. kind of hard to put a wall up. That's so tough. It, it's yeah. kind of the main reason of that slump. Um, so RuneScape was kind of a good comfort food while I'm watching Netflix. I can be grinding out capes and things. Um, so yeah, I came, I conquered, I think I'm good for another five year sabbatical before I pick up at a couple hours here and there. Um, I canceled all my subscriptions maybe a couple weeks ago. Oh, okay. um, so it's, I'm, it's a hard break. Um, Ben and I, it was group Iron Man came out where it's Iron Man is a mode where you can't trade with anyone and mm-hmm. group Iron Man is basically you take it on together. Okay. Um, so we are grinding that out. We played hard for maybe two or three weeks and the two other people in our group, his friends didn't really like contribute at all. So it quickly died off. We burn ourselves out. And I think that kind of ended this year's or this decade's <laughs> RuneScape okay. um, time. So yeah, I five capes. I got, I got five 99s or capes. Got my cool armor that I've always wanted, the dream cape that I never expected to get, and I, I call that a victory. Good deal, man. Yeah, yeah. no no shade, no uh, foul things to say about RuneScape and you playing it and talk about it in the podcast because I get it. Like Lauren and I, when we were in that one-bedroom apartment for you know the seven to eight months we were before moving into the, the house, I, I was losing my mind. Yeah, it's just weird. Like Saturdays, you're like – uh, you act the same or you're in the same space that your weeks are. Mm-hmm. So like, tr- I'm like, is it a weekend or do I have to hop on my work computer and like go to work right now? It's that distinction that's not there mm-hmm. um, that I almost wish we were in the office like sometime. Mm-hmm. But yeah, video game wise, this was a perfect 2020 year um, similar to how like Animal Crossing was as comfort yep. food. Totally get it, man. Totally get it. Uh, yeah. Well, good pick. Good pick. My number 10... This is kind of a late uh, addition, one that I kind of went back and forth of like, should this make the list? Should it not make the list? Uh, but I eventually settled that it absolutely should. And that's Mario Party Superstars. Oh, I think this might be the only Switch 
game that and made that's, my made that's a new game. one that just came out that you guys played on vacation it is yeah and you hit the nail on the head of like really why it made the list um but be- before even getting into that little mini story this is the first time in the better part of a decade that i feel like mario party has really captured the og magic of what makes mario party so fun and a lot of that plays into just the nostalgia I have for some of those earlier games on the 64, the GameCube, and eventually the Wii was really the last time I got into the Mario Party series. I feel like the, you know, even the more recent Switch one before Superstars was just okay. I didn't play the one on, uh, I think there was 9 and 10 on Wii, maybe Wii U, couple DS, 3DS ones. I just... I stayed clear of the series because I just felt like it had gotten away with, with, with what made Mario Party so fun, which is just, I think it's it's most fun in its simplicity. It's just yep. some of those OG boards going back to the really traditional bare bones uh, mini games like Hot Rope Jump, Cake Factory, Bumper Balls, some of those types of things. They brought back some of those original um boards as well like the spooky town the halloween town one so all of that really is why it made my list is because it was kind of my comfort food game for the year Mm -hmm. and lauren and i uh, i think we talked about it on a prior episode uh we went to saint john with my dad uh earlier in the year on vacation and i love going on vacations with family it's fun but when you're kind of sharing the same living space as your in-law, your parent, your brother-in-law, whoever, you kind of just want that time with your significant other away and apart from all of that. So when my dad would go down to the pool late at night and hang out with some other friends that he met there, Lauren and I would boot up Mario Party Superstars. And I think over the courses of a week, we put like 10 hours into it. Wow. And so that was just such a blast, you know, having a couple island drinks, eating pizza, Doritos, just straight up chilling, playing Mario Party. Uh, kind of captured the same nostalgia I had playing with my sister many moons ago as a kid. Yeah, because when that's uh, good to hear that that game kind of revived. Because when we went to Colorado, we played Super Mario Party, mm-hmm. and I know you were mentioning like some of those games work a little jank, and like I think there were four boards, one for each element. Like it didn't hit the same bells that the original ones kind of did. It really didn't. And what I hope they do with superstars, and maybe this has already been announced and I've kind of just been out of the loop is, you know, love or hate the more recent Mario golf. I thought it was very, it was, it was okay for me. Um, but they've been pumping out a lot of free DLC for it. Have they? And I hope they do something similar for Mario party superstars because they've already knocked it out of the park in my eyes with what's there in base game, mm-hmm. but they could really just, crush the ball out of the park if they just added a couple more boards added some more mini games maybe a couple characters or something like that um that would be awesome and i would happily pay a couple bucks for that too yeah and when i say a couple bucks in nintendo terms that's like a 20 dollars season pass <laughs> you're not wrong <laughs> but i'll do it i'll, I'll definitely do yeah. it for mario party so that's my number 10 nice it's a solid number 10 yeah what do we got for number nine for you All right, number nine for me. This is the first game in the series that I've ever played. Um, It is Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze. Heck yeah, man. And this is a recent beat. Um, I know you got this, was it last year or the year before? Um, It came out in 2018, so it's been out for a couple years. And I had never played any Donkey Kong games. I picked up Country on that Family Pass or what's on the Switch, kind of like the online thing. Mm -hmm. I tried that one. I was like, holy crap, this is really hard. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, never played Donkey Kong 64. I know you love that one. 
but this one kind of scratched my itch for like it's really colorful it's a 2d platformer let's try it Mm -hmm. and it was difficult (laughs) Um, there are two different difficulty modes which i've talked about i did the one that kind of resembles country Mm -hmm. um just for that authentic feel to say that i've beaten a like a country style game dkc game Yeah. yeah and i loved it it was like the the platforming was tight it was difficult but not too difficult that you'd quit mm-hmm. um there was one level where i lost 40 lives i think there were maybe two or three levels where it's like these define the difficulty of this game the first kind of milestone being 5-1 which i lost 40 lives just because i couldn't figure out a platform but yeah it was a ton of fun um great music great different stages i think there were seven six stages what's before, up? before you close the game what's up david wise we see you. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, worth playing. I You should definitely get around to it sometime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, worth pl- picking up. I It's a Nintendo game, so it's probably not on sale for too much. Well, you borrowed my copy, buddy. So. I, it was free for me. Yeah. It's not free for anyone who wants to go out and buy it, but it's hopefully on sale. It's worth maybe picking up on sale. No, oh, yeah, absolutely. And I uh, a couple of DKC games I want to knock off the backlog list before getting the Tropical Freeze, of course, Two and three on the Super Nintendo that I can play on the Switch Online service. Mm-hmm. Want to tackle those. And then I also have Donkey Kong Country Returns, um, which was developed, I think, by Retro Studios did both DKC Returns and Tropical Freeze. But I have that on Wii okay. that I'd like to beat prior to going to Tropical Freeze. Uh, they're all very independent games of one another, I think, for the most part. But uh, again, I am who I am and I like to play those games kind of like in chronological order. So uh, that's fair. Yeah, I don't think there's like some overarching lore. <laughs> there probably is, but I'm not really there for that. So yeah. um good stuff, man. I'm really glad you got around to playing that and I got to experience the David Wise magic. Yeah, I that was when I actually beat it when you guys were on vacation and I borrowed it from you and then I borrowed Dread, Met or uh Metroid, Metroid yeah. Dread. And I tried Dread and I was like this one's going to frustrate me cuz just being chased and like the platforming, not that it's a bad game, but I'm like Tropical Freeze seems like a, a happier, yeah. col- more colorful game. So good it's a good one. stuff, man. Uh, my number nine also kind of comes as a surprise. As I was kind of putting my list together in the past couple of weeks, I was like, similar to Mario Party Superstars, it's like, I can't not include this game on my list given how much fun I had playing it and for like the month straight that it was the only thing that I played. And that's Splitgate. This oh, is yeah. this yeah. is the Halo first person shooter that kind of blends mechanics with Portal mm. where you can actually shoot portals across the map and shoot people through portals, obviously travel through them um, on these kind of maps that are structurally very similar to Halo. I mean, this was my Halo Infinite this year. Mm-hmm. I literally got my copy in the mail uh, for Halo Infinite that I pre-ordered like two years ago or whatever <laughs> it was. Um, and as soon as I get a Series X and as soon as Halo Infinite has co-op uh, campaign available, you and I are going to be sitting down with some Dew, with some Doritos in the game room. We're going to do it right and play through Infinite on Legendary. But until that, I got my Halo fix by playing Splitgate. And if you're not familiar with this game and it's not something you're just, you never heard of, I wouldn't be surprised because when it came out, I feel like there was a lot of buzz surrounding it. And then it was kind of drowned out after like Battlefield and Halo Infinite came out. Not a lot of people are talking about it. Um, But this really captured the same excitement with each, you know, round that you played where 
it's kind of the same announcement voice that says double kill, triple kill, quad kill. You know, killtacular. Yeah, <laughs> Kilimanjaro. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I got a Kilimanjaro. Yeah, man. there's. I've never gotten one. That's like ten I kills. Suck. Yeah, um, but it, it captured that same excitement that you have when you're playing Halo Online with a bunch of buddies or even solo, and the added excitement of using portals. The thing about the portals is very few people actually use them on the map. Yeah. And so I really made a conscious effort to use them like a crazy person because the satisfaction that you get in Halo of sniping someone across the map is great. Almost second to none. But I think it comes second only to shooting a portal on the other side of the map. Someone's camping, just trying to wait and see until someone walks in the battlefield And then you shoot the other portal where you are in your own camp. And then you just pick someone off right from behind because they're not paying attention to the portals being shot around. So that additional element and mechanic made Splitgate that much more fun. And like I said, around the September, October timeframe, I was kind of in a drought. Yeah. I can't remember what games I was coming off of, but I was like, you know, I kind of want to come up to the game room just chill with the Twitch streamer podcast in the background and play a first person shooter. And I could play this game for two or three hours at a time or before bed, I could just pop in and play two or three quick rounds and get out. And I still had the same amount of fun regardless of how I approached it. And so, and it's still something even today until I get um, the ability to play Halo Infinite on a Series X. I know I could play on PC people, but I want to play Series X, big screen TV, you know, got to do it right. Um, <laughs> Splitgate's going to scratch that itch for me. Yeah, no, I was surprised when you said you're playing a shooter online. I was just like, are you rusty? Where, where's the platform? <laughs> and then you're like, portals. And I was like, oh, all right, this yeah, kind of. And it, yeah, it's a cool concept. You showed me maybe a couple matches um, when I was over sometime. And it, it's a cool, it looks like a lot of fun. It is. And it's yeah. free to play. So anyone that has interest in playing it, uh, I think it's on just about every platform uh, outside of Switch, probably. Xbox, PC, uh, PlayStation, check it out. Free to play. Really scratches that Halo uh, itch if you don't have the means to play uh, Infinite right now. Nice. But Ryan, I think that was my number nine. So what is your number eight? All right. So this is an RPG, um, my second most played game this year, which is Mon- Monster Hunter Rise. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I've talked about Monster Hunter World, which is kind of my first introduction to the Monster Hunter series a ton. <laughs> And coming out of that, I think I put, I mean, similar to Animal Crossing, like 400 hours into my one character. Um, and when this rise was announced, they gave us dogs. They gave us these, like, wire bugs for climbing. Like, everything your eye, like, similar to how Skyrim was marketed. Everything you, the eye, t- your eye touches, you can <laughs> climb. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks, Mufasa, over at Bethesda. So, yeah, I, I was... I picked this up when it came out. I picked you up a copy, or you picked up a copy, which you never touched. Yeah. Um, I didn't actually get my copy on the day of release, so I bought a second copy, so I gave one to Lauren, and then I played it, <laughs> at least. And then I played that with Rick and Ben, put a ton of hours. We beat the main storyline, and the reason it's kind of low on this list is I think World sets such a high bar. Yeah. Um. With all of its features, I mean, this was on PlayStation. We went back, like Ben and I, it was on my probably top 10 for last year, I believe, which was Monster Hunter 4 Ultimate, mm-hmm. which we played maybe 200 hours of. Um, it, it just, 
they tried coming to the Western audience with this game to dull it down or simplify it more. Kind of streamline the mechanics. Yeah. And coming out of world where it's like, you have so many different options. There's so much end game, like randomization. Um, they just, the end game grind was a little weak for me. Mm -hmm. Um, not to say I didn't enjoy it. I mean, I put 145 hours into it. Um, I don't want this review of my eighth game of the year to be crapping on the game, but it wasn't the game I expected, but it was the game we got, and I enjoyed it a ton, um, but I just wish the uh, end game grind was a little bit better. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah I totally thought that uh, Rise was going to be a little bit higher on your list, but for those reasons, it definitely makes sense. Yeah. So what was your number eight? My number eight was a big surprise this year for me uh, for a number of different reasons that we'll get into, and that's The Pathless. Oh, this was something nice. that I picked up pretty early on on PS5. I think I may have picked it up last year because I think it was I am 8-bit or limited run. I can't remember who was selling copies of this, um, but I pre-ordered a copy because I think it was like 30 or 40 bucks. Uh, and I, I knew full well when I saw this game advertised, I think on one of the PlayStation State of Plays or one of those Sony conferences that it wasn't really my type of game. It it seemed to really blend stuff like Journey with The Legend of Zelda. I love Journey. I have an interesting track record, record with The Legend of Zelda series. And one of the things that surprised me most about this game, and I think I talked about it earlier in the year, we've talked about a number of times on this podcast how Rusty, Ari Lewis 2011, <laughs> isn't the biggest fan of puzzles and games. No. Even in Uncharted where they're, they're relatively simple, all things considered. Uncharted, God of War, like that. that's why you basically quit God of War the first time, right? Yeah, because I just yeah. the puzzles were just kind of pissing me off. And it was just like, I, I just want to mash things. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you want to go back to God of War 3. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, and again, I had to kind of reset my expectations for God of War before going back to that. And maybe we'll talk about God of War a little bit later in my game of the year list here. But the Pathless, the long and short of it is really just kind of awakened me to the joy and satisfaction of solving puzzles. Mm -hmm. And I think the best thing about the Pathless, Pathless's puzzles is that they're relatively simple. Like if I go back and look at my time with Breath of the Wild, which I spent five to eight hours with um, when I first got the Switch, and it just didn't really click for me. But those, was it shrines? Yeah, shrines. It's you're like in and out of those in a pretty short amount of time, right? The yep. puzzles are not too taxing on the brain. Um, once you kind of figure out that there's really like five to six ways how this puzzle is going to go, right? Yeah, because you have the like five different or four different things with the Sheikah slate. So mm -hmm. there's there's minimal complexity. Yeah, and the pathless is very much the same. Um, and once you kind of get into that rhythm of solving the puzzles and exploring the world. I mean, it just feels almost effortless to play, and I almost compare the experience to something like A Short Hike last year, where it doesn't have the same wholesome nature to it when you talk to all these different people, because the world's relatively empty of NPCs, there's mostly just animals wandering around, and then kind of the demons that you have to fight and stuff like that, um, but navigating it just feels so seamless and so smooth. If you're not familiar with the game, you use your bow and arrow to shoot arrows at these little um, diamonds kind of scattered across the sky. Mm -hmm. And every time you connect with one of those diamonds, you kind of accelerate your movement. And I've never played anything like it before. 
So navigating the world in that way just felt so good and so satisfying. And at the end of the day, the best two games that I can kind of compare it to mashed into one is that game company's journey mm-hmm. and the legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. So if you've enjoyed either of those two games or a mixture of both, the Pathless is definitely worth checking out. Uh, I know one of the things that I often talk about games um, that kind of make or break experiences like this is the music. Yeah. And it was composed by the wonderful Austin Wintory, who also composed the soundtrack for Journey. Yeah. And this could be a potential Chronos correction corner. So if I get this wrong, please correct me. But I think the Pathless development team was kind of like an offshoot of that game company's people. Like a couple people from that development team left. And I think their first game that they developed and put out was Abzu. That kind of underwater exploration kind of game. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then the next game after that was The Pathless. So if you're, in, you know, you're into that type of, um, I want to say artsy fartsy, but definitely heavy on the indie inspiration vibes. Yeah. It's not like full gris, like artsy, but it's still kind of in that spectrum closer to that. Exactly. If you're into that kind of stuff, The Pathless is worth checking out. You can get it for relatively cheap. Um, for me, this year kind of scratched that uh, what Journey was for me last year in many ways, but also kind of getting that Zelda experience because I didn't pick up Skyward Sword HD earlier this year, which is one of my favorite Zelda games. Um, not afraid to say that out loud publicly. <laughs> and uh, it also kind of inspired me to really want to get back and try Breath of the Wild because finally, <laughs> what the Pathless showed me is that, you know, so often the game is like Uncharted. I'm just like, screw puzzles. I'm going to look up the YouTube tutorial of how I have to solve this. But the Pathless was the first time in any kind of and uh, distant memory that I can say I never looked up a guide. I'm like, I'm going to challenge myself to just figure this out, take the time to understand what I need to do here. And it was Im- immeasurably satisfying. So, um, yeah, you should pack yourself on the back for that. I did many times. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of had a dialogue. With, I kind of had a dialogue with myself while I was playing. Good job, Rusty. <laughs> Lord's like, who the fuck is he talking to in there alone in his game room? Yeah. So Pathless, really good time. I picked up a copy of Breath of the Wild, and uh, maybe in 2022, Breath of the Wild will make my game of the year list. Yeah, if you go back and play that, I'll definitely go back and play it as well to prepare for number two. Good deal. All right. Well, Ryan, what's your number seven? I'll probably keep this short because I assume this one's on your list. Um, And this is my short experience with Final Fantasy VII Remake. Oh, okay. Um, I figure this is on your list somewhere. Um, I put five hours into this. Uh, My experience with Final Fantasy VII, really with any Final Fantasy, has been short-lived. And with VII, I went back when I saw Remake was coming out and played up to where this game ends, uh, leaving... Was it Ragnar or whatever the city's name is? Midgar. Midgar. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, Ragnarok, Midgard, it's <laughs> something Norse. Yeah. <laughs> After leaving the city is kind of where this game ends, from my understanding. And that's kind of where I played the original, just to see the like, clunky squares of, like, cloud shoulders are these shoulder boulders, mm-hmm. what every teen is shooting for oh. when lifting shoulder day. Heck yeah. And, uh... Yeah, I, I really enjoyed all the character interaction and being able to see it or like play through it in all of its beautiful glory. Mm-hmm. Um, the style changed to more action based. I I, ne- I don't 
technically have nostalgia because I played it like a year ago, the original. But like I get the same vibes as like having played it when it originally came out on PS2 mm. and now seeing PS1, it, but yeah. Or one of the yeah playstation one okay and now playing it here for the first time in all of its glory yeah and i got i it was like i was revisiting an old friend yeah um just playing through i just got to the town kind of their their bar met all the characters and i'm running around with tifa Mm -hmm. um and it, it was just the opening sequence is eventful, going through the station, bl- like setting bombs and things. You got your first boss fight, and it was a good time. I really enjoyed it. Nice. But we'll, we'll talk about this more if it's on your list. I mean, it might. I don't know. It didn't really connect with me. Aerith's a bitch, so. <laughs> yeah, she's the worst. I, I, yeah. I'm more of a Tifa person. Yeah. Screw Aerith. Really didn't connect with me. Didn't hit, but uh, yeah, we'll see. I don't yeah. know. We got a lot of games to get through here. I, overall, I enjoyed it. I'll end up playing it more once I get off my Minecraft kick because I still have your copy and it's, I, I want to finish this one. Yeah, I don't want Final Fantasy VII Remake collecting dust at your place. It's not. I dust it off every morning to make sure it's pristine because within those shiny discs lives Aerith. That's right. In good all of her stuff. glory. <laughs> all right. Well, good pick. I like it. I'll, I'll forgive you for not finishing it this year, but you did start it pretty late in the year, so I no did. worries there. Yeah. Uh, my number seven is another game I think I talked at length about earlier in the summer, and that's Tamarin. Oh, yeah. This is a little 3D platformer <laughs> where you play as this little cute, adorable tamarind monkey. Yeah. This truly feels like an N64 PS1 game remake purely in the graphics department. Yeah. Like, it is ridiculous how beautiful this game looks. Whether you play on PC, Xbox, or PlayStation, it's stunning. Did you say monkey? I thought it was red pandas. I think it's a tamarind's a monkey. Oh, okay. Yeah. We can look up the... <laughs> I, is this the one with the bullet time and like the, yeah oh, okay oh okay. yeah we'll get All to right. it yeah Wrong so animal. definitely feels like a remake of a ps1 n64 3d platformer especially back in the heyday where rareware was making some really great 3d collectathon platformers yeah. right unfortunately the quality of life mechanics really remain in the past and so i remember watching uh, mr pete door stream this game And he quit playing it after about two hours because the sense of direction is not there. Like, Mm. very rarely do you know where you need to go or how you can get there. And there's zero um, fast travel, which in a game like this is almost a necessity because it's just one gargantuan map. And in order to progress and get to other areas and unlock certain things... You need to collect a number of items, as you might expect in a 3D platformer. Yeah. But sometimes you just can't keep it straight where you need to go next. Because, um, again, there's not like a giant map that tells you, oh, go here because you need to collect these five jiggies or whatever. It's not forgiving when you die either. Um, I remember, especially in the late game, I died kind of in the final level and I had to go back all the way to the start. And I had the same amount of health I did at that point. So I basically had to do a run where I didn't get hit once, which, as I'll get to here shortly, is really tough to do. Yeah. Um, and as far as I can remember, if you ever played Jet Force Gemini on the N64, I think Chameleon Games, the development team, this was meant to be a spiritual successor to that. So I think in Jet Force Gemini, Gemini you played as like ants or bugs or something like yeah. that. It's been so long since I've played that. But... 
it's really a balancing act between when you're exploring these forests and stuff like that, you play as this tamarind monkey and you're really just hopping around collecting stuff. Things get really fucking weird when you go into these warehouses and sewers where these random ants and bugs and giant like ridiculous beetles have guns and you like whip out a super soaker (laughs) pistol and start shooting them. And it almost becomes like an on rails third person shooter a la like Gears of War, but also like (laughs) Darius Gaiden. Like it's goofy. It's weird. But I still loved the heck out of this game. Um, And as weird as this sounds, you know, there's many games where you play it and it just reminds you of a particular time and place in your life. Right. And when playing Tamarin, you know, Lauren and I've only lived in this house for a year. Mm -hmm. And so for whatever reason, when I think about Tamarin, I think about playing it up in the game room. We don't have great circulation around the house and the game room, as we talked about during the episodes when we recorded during the summer, gets like stupid hot up here. Yeah, we're sweaty messes by the end. Yeah. So I just remember like sweating my butt off, playing Tamarin up in the game room and just hearing people uh, around the neighborhood just mowing their lawns. I don't know why I associate the game with those, like, I guess that that memory. Mm -hmm. That's the association I make has no influence to it making uh, its way into my top 10 games of the year. I just think this is a really fun 3D platformer, even with all of its shortcomings of horrible sense of direction. It's not forgiving when you die. And honestly, a lot of what's there isn't going to do much for a lot of people, but it did everything I expected and wanted it for me. I got the platinum trophy and record time. And uh, I pat myself on the back for that too. Yeah, this is a surprise for me on your list. I would have put Balan Wonderworld in your top 10 before I put Tamarin. And honestly, I feel like a lot of the mechanics of Balan Wonderworld are far more polished and streamlined than Tamarin. Mm-hmm. This is a time and place kind of nostalgia trip of a pick. I think beginning to end, Tamarin had the same frustrations. So like over the course of the game, it just, I looked past it. I was willing to forgive it because I loved the game. Um, in spite of all those things, okay. whereas Balan Wonderworld for me just fell off real hard once I got to like chapter eight or okay. nine or whatever it was. Whereas Tamron, it was like beginning to end. I'm like, this whole thing is like really weird and I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm totally, <laughs> I'm totally here for it. Fair enough. So, um, and last thing I'll mention, you know, I got to talk about that music. You know, I got to talk about the music and those 3D platformers. And, it's uh, not a, uh, it's not an episode of Otaka Brothers if we don't talk about at least Grant Kirkhope or some person. Or David Wise. And David Wise composed the soundtrack about Tamarin or for Tamarin. Last thing I'll say, Tamarin, I'm looking at you, buddy. I, I literally bought the game twice. Once on Steam so I could get the soundtrack downloaded and once on PlayStation. So you're welcome, Chameleon Games. I'm looking out for Tamarin 2. Yeah, Tamarin 2 coming 2023. Can't wait. Yeah. Announced at the uh, Game Awards. Hell yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's only a pre-show. By Vin Diesel himself. (laughs) Yeah. He's he's jumping from Ark into monkeys with guns. (laughs) It only makes sense. Yeah. It only makes sense. What's your number six, Ryan? Yeah. My number six um, following my number eight is Monster Hunter Stories 2. Okay. I was not going to pick this up. I never played the first one. And then similar to Monster Hunter Rise or Monster Hunter World... Um, Ben and Rick were playing this one, and they have an obsession with Pokemon and Monster Hunter. 
Um, and this is basically what that game is. It's kind of a combination of you're raising six monsties and you train them up. Um, you go through dungeons and you go through the story about it will within the monster hunter universe. And I didn't, I, like I said, I didn't know if I was going to pick this up, but this is kind of once I saw some gameplay, once Rick kind of convinced me after explaining some of the mechanics, this is exactly what I expected um, Pokemon Arceus to be like. Mm. Or this would be a perfect template for that. You have a party of six. You go through different dungeons, make your way through fighting battles. And at the end, there's a boss Pokemon. And after you defeat that boss, you have the opportunity to uh, pick up an egg. And then you go th- cycle through the eggs, and you pick the one you want, and then you go back, hatch that egg, and that's the uh, monster that you get. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that similar kind of open-world approach would be perfect for a Pokemon game, and hopefully that's what they take for Arceus. Um, but yeah, it was just fun to coming off of World, and this was right after Rise, so I was kind of let down by Rise. Um uh, but going back and being able to ride around on Nergigante and all of the kind of my favorite monsters from Monster Hunter World was a great time. Mm. Um, and being able to like, what's really cool about the different type, like so HMs in Pokemon, you have like Surf, Fly, Rock Smash. There's different moves in here that allow you to traverse the world in different ways, mm-hmm. um, which would be a great way to approach, again, in Arceus. Um, so certain dragons are able to fly, and you're able to traverse this map as much as you want. You're able to fly through caverns and things. Um, others have the ability to travel up walls. Others can break walls. So it's very Pokemon-esque, mm-hmm. um, and it's, it's a good time. And then you can get into the depths of like customizing EVs and IVs and all oh, that kind goodness. of approach. And I'm not going to start that conversation, but if you like Pokemon, if you've ever touched a Monster Hunter world or a Monster Hunter game, it's worth looking into. Nice. Good yeah. stuff, dude. And that's um, another 60 hours that I put into it. So definitely enjoyed all 60 hours. And it's 60 hours to beat the main story. Mm. So Wow. Good stuff. Well, Capcom, man, just crushed it this year. They are crushing it. And yeah. speaking of Capcom, my number, is this six? Yeah, this is number six. My number six is Resident Evil Village. Of course, this is the eighth game. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with the more recent Resident Evil games, this actually continues the story of Resident Evil 7, which it's rare that Resident Evil games in the past have continued storylines from their mainline series, game over game. Yeah. And so Ethan Winter is kind of the main protagonist of 7. I won't get into the story beats of either 7 or 8 because... I don't want to spoil anything for anyone, and I know a lot of our listeners have an interest in playing 7 and 8, and they may not have gotten around to playing either game. So I'll more kind of just kind of speak at a high level of um, how the game hit for me and the mechanics of it all. I think this one really kind of rests more on the shoulders of Resident Evil 4 than it does push the Resident Evil 7 gameplay envelope forward, which I really didn't mind. I've talked about on many moons ago when I would talk to brothers, how Resident Evil 7 just scared the hell out of me. Yeah, I mean, I remember that. I'm a huge fan of horror, uh, more so in the film department. I don't I don't have a great history um, or an extensive history of playing horror games. But Resident Evil 7, I remember Lauren wouldn't even be in the same room with me when I played. 
So she in our old apartment would just go into the bedroom, watch TV out there. But I like needed a companion for this game. Well, you made me watch you play or I wanted to watch you play seven. Right. And you were an asshole about it. You're like, oh, what's going to be behind this corner? And like slowly looking around corners and stuff. Well, so imagine, you know, I did that to you to kind of obviously just play it around a little bit. Yeah. But imagine playing the game for the first time and not knowing what is actually going to happen. No, it, it was terrifying. The atmosphere is fantastic. And I'm not a horror person, but if, yeah, I, I could see this one scaring people away from it. Yeah. But I mean, as the name implies, Resident Evil Village, it really has kind of this Van Helsing type of feel to the game. You start in a literal village and, you know, there's werewolves and lichens and all kinds of those monsters that you'd expect to be in a uh, kind of Van Helsing type adventure. And I think ultimately, like, it was a nice follow up to Resident Evil 7. I'm glad they backed off on the ridiculous horror moments and the tensions of walking around this house not knowing what the heck was going to happen. And it got back to more of the action-based combat um, horror that we found in the Resident Evil 4s and 5s of the world. Yeah, But I think it also, like, if you're a long-time Resident Evil fan, they blend a lot of, like, level design and monsters and mechanics from some of those earlier Resident Evil games, especially as you eventually make your way into this giant mansion you're being chased by the big lady that everyone's like, please stomp on me or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. She won an award too, right? Very deserving of it yeah. too. Oh my gosh. Yeah, she has a terrific performance. Um, I'll leave it at that because I don't want to spoil anything. But uh, where Resident Evil 8 kind of ends, I cannot wait to see where Resident Evil 9 inevitably picks up the story because it does end on a bit of a cliffhanger. So do you hope nine is going to be more like seven or more like eight in its amount of scariness i think you throw both of those into a blender and that's what we'll get with nine oh, a, cool. a mix of both um yeah that's all i'll say all right resident Evil eight village uh really great follow-up to seven i enjoyed my time playing it up here in the game room lights turned off scoob was sitting next to me just like he was sitting next to me when i played resident evil seven and uh yeah really great time Nice. My uh, my number five is actually a very similar genre and experience to oh, that. Oh, I'm sure. Yes. And it is Ori, Will of the Wisps. <laughs> nice. Uh, so I played both the games this year, um, Ori, Blind Forest, and then Will of the Wisps. And I'm not 100% through Will of the Wisps. I have maybe like five more hours left in the game. Um, but I'm loving it. They ramp up the RPG mechanics um, instead of just having like a bolt of lightning from the first one. It's you're able to customize your little Ori um, as you traverse the world and you find different abilities similar to the first one. And if it's not broke, don't change it. Mm -hmm. um, so they just kind of build on the first one and it's it builds on the story as well. And it's just a great time. Mm. The music, the platforming. Challenge. It, it, the challenge, it's a little bit easier than the first one, and I'm really happy about that. Be and that's not saying it's easy. It's literally, I died like 50 times at each one of the end of the dungeon runs in the first game to the point like I've screamed mm -hmm. at my stuff. Um, and Nala would rush over and try to like lick my face to so like, hey, Ori has unlimited lives. You're good. <laughs> 
But no, Will of the Wisps and the first one, it, I I can't speak highly enough about them. I I knew I'd eventually get to them. I think I heard the soundtrack first before I saw any of the games, and then once I saw, it was attached to this ghostly celestial fennec fox i was sold mm-hmm. um and hopefully eventually you get to them i know lauren started i think blind forest um but yeah it, it definitely go out and play these games oh absolutely dude I, I cannot wait to play both of them on the switch or even pc um they look terrific and there are definitely things in the backlog that i'm not ashamed that i haven't gotten to yet but I'm looking forward to playing and, uh, both. Yeah, I hope when you transition from your platinum grind of this year into next year as you're trying to branch out to other platformers, uh, or, well, obviously platformers, other Platforms. systems, yeah. um, that this is on your list um, because it, it, they're fantastic games. I don't want to spoil any of the story. They're both For both games, they're highly emotional. You You get invested in what's going on, and the second one's no different. Good deal, man. Yeah, I'm looking forward to playing both of those games. Good stuff. This is number five. I keep losing track. Yeah, this is number five. My number five was a game that literally did not make my most anticipated games of 2021. It was an honorable mention, and I can't really remember what was going through my mind when you and I were doing our most anticipated games of 2021 list, Uh, but it certainly made its way into the top 10 and even my top five. That is Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart. Yes. I have been a huge fan of the Ratchet and Clank series dating back to the PS2. And because I was very late to the party when it came to the PS3, um, I really only saw the the showcase graphically of like, I think it was Tools of Destruction, whatever the first game that came out on PS3 was in that series uh, at a buddy's house. Mm-hmm. But I never got around to playing them myself. So I really took a, um, a Ratchet and Clank really took a back seat until earlier this year I played Ratchet and Clank 2016, which is kind of a reimagining remake of the first game on PS2 for PlayStation 4. And I played through the game three stinking times to get the platinum trophy. And I just loved it. I mean, Ratchet and Clank has always been a series about bombastic guns, witty dialogue between Ratchet, Clank, and the other supporting cast of characters. And Rift Apart takes all of that and all the expectations and things you want in a Ratchet and Clank game. And has all of it in abundance. I mean, graphically, arguably the most beautiful, stunning game I've ever seen. Um, Certainly on the PS5, maybe of all time. I mean, it's right up there with the God of Wars, Last of Us Part 2s of the world. It is just stunning and mind-boggling. The particle effects, but also one of the things that Insomniac was showcasing when they were marketing the game was these environments being rendered in real time, as the name would imply, rift apart you're going into these different dimensions and all these environments are rendering in real time. There's no load screens. It's just happening. Yeah. No, this is actually on my list a little bit higher up. This is my number three game. Okay. Um, I had never played any of the Ratchet and Clank games. I had, I mean, after meeting you and talking through 132 episodes, I knew Ratchet and Clank, Sly Cooper, those are some of the games that I've wanted to play but never really had the ability to. Mm-hmm. And when this game was announced, I was like, holy crap. The number of like little like particles and then the uh, bolts the, the bolts mm-hmm. on screen just flying around as you're shooting all of these different enemies and the background environment and then your actual destructible environment was fantastic. I was like, whole, I, I was blown away. 
and this I this definitely made my top ten most anticipated for this year. Um, so I, I ended up platinuming this game. Mm. I played on the hardest difficulty because I wanted to grind out every gun, every highest level, figure out the most optimum strategy to just melt enemies. That's surprising for so, you. Yeah, I've I've never strategized or put too much time and thought into games, but I enjoyed every moment of this game. Well, and there's one particular highlight moment or person that I think is worth calling out. And I think I can speak on both your and my behalf, Ryan, that the real MVP of Rift Apart is our girl Rivet. Oh, yes. I mean, how her character not only so seamlessly like interacts with Ratchet and Clank and also her little equivalent of Clank. Yeah. But how effortlessly it seemed on the developer's part for just about everyone I've spoken to, both critically in the games industry, but also just friends, how head over heels we fell in love with her. Yeah, it's no joke. I mean, like, this is my first interaction with Ratchet and Clank, but then Rivet as well. I think she stole the show. Oh, my gosh. It's yeah. She's adorable, and, I mean, you go through their backstory, and it's, it's great. Mm-hmm. I, I Yeah, I loved her mm-hmm. by the end. Yeah, I'm well- not a furry, but if I were... <laughs> rivet <laughs> number one <laughs> absolutely dude yeah she's wonderful yeah well ryan we are getting really close to getting to our top three but before we can do that we gotta know what your number four is yes so my number four i bought this one god like four years ago and mm. i never played it it's a genre that i started hating or have continued to hate until hades came along Oh. And after Hades, I went back and picked this one up or put it back in my Switch, and this is Dead Cells. Okay, very good. <laughs> so I actually put – this is one of the highest uh, playtime games that I played this year. It's 60 hours I put into this roguelike, and I'm not a huge fan of roguelikes. The idea of like starting over runs and not like grinding out characters is not appealing to me, but they're – at the beginning of each run, there's these little vials in kind of like the home before you start. And you can fill up these vials as you unlock different things. And that's where you kind of can get some of that grind. Mm, okay. I grinded the crap out of this game. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I think there's like 170 vials. I have all but 17. I checked oh, wow. this morning. I put – I mean – I ground out so many different runs. Um, I think there's the base difficulty and then four multipliers on top of that until you get to the final like end game um, kind of ending. And I beat two of those difficulties out of the other four. Wow. I think it's four or five. But yeah, I so I played a lot of this game. I I came to appreciate the kind of style and the approach that they took. And it's, it's a great game. It's mm. worth playing. I Instead of doing like the normal find any weapon, I kind of picked the weapons I liked, started with like a custom run, and would run through the game that way. It's worth picking up. I it's I think I got it for 35 at the time at GameStop. Being older, it's probably like 10 bucks at this point. And then you can also get it on PlayStation, probably Xbox. And there are two DLCs added on. Wow, okay. And even... As late as, I think, June timing. They're making updates, adding weapons. So, yeah, definitely a interactive kind of dev team and worth uh, investing 
him. Good deal. Yeah, I don't know if the roguelike genre is for me, but if I'm going to get into any roguelikes, uh, now that Lauren and I do have a copy of Hades, I do want to give that a try. Yeah, Hades is great, um, and hopefully that, I mean, similar to my path, that allows you to just borrow Dead Cells. You don't even have to buy it. Um, But yeah, this helped me appreciate the people and their other opinions. Excellent. All right, good stuff. Well, my number four, I think my top three for people that have been listening for the entirety of this year, uh, you could probably guess, you know, one, two, and three, maybe not the order of those three games, but that those three are Mm going to be there. My number four is something that I never could have anticipated. Uh, certainly wasn't the most anticipated game coming into this year because I honestly didn't even know it existed. Uh, and it all started when a friend of ours that I mentioned earlier in the show got into my DMs on Discord and said, Hey, buddy, there's a game that we got free on PlayStation Plus recently oh. called Operation Tango. <laughs> I'm not sure if you know how to dance, but I'd love to get down in tango with you. And I'm like, buddy... All you have to do is ask, all right? <laughs> and my buddy Blink, he and I on his Twitch stream played this game on PlayStation. We were both mic'd up, both on camera. And, you know, outside of stuff like Halo on Legendary, playing co-op with you or my buddies growing up, uh, Rock Band, Guitar Hero, stuff like that, I'm not sure I've ever had this much fun playing a game co-op. Yeah. Like, and getting back to what I was saying earlier about puzzles in the pathless, that's really all Operation Tango is. One person kind of sp- uh, plays as a spy. The other person plays as um, a hacker, yeah, I think hacker. is what it was. And so to put it in kind of layman's terms, one person's out in the field like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible. And then he has his buddies behind the computer kind of explaining like, hey, all right, you're walking into a room right now. Tell me what you're seeing. And it's like, well, um, I see all of these computers and it looks like there's like a server room over there. And he's like, okay, server room. That's where you need to go. That's where the code is that you're going to need to get into this other room. And so it's this back and forth conversation that you have with the person. You have to work together to solve these puzzles that I feel like for the most part, like 85% of the time were really intuitive. Yeah. There was really only a few instances where Blink and I were really just like, what the heck do they want us to do here? And when you streamed this, us as the viewers could see both sides. So we're like, obviously go right. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? Um, and one of the levels, I think it was the cloud level where you're going through different doors and things. Mm-hmm. We were like, we want to tell you what's going on, but obviously you want to f- solve it for yourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, it, w- it was a really fun stream. It really was. Yeah. And, you know, Blink reached out to me a couple weeks ago and said, hey, buddy, you know, we got to go back and get that platinum trophy because the trophies with this game is really you have to play in each role. So when Blink and I were playing, I was the person out in the field. He was the person kind of behind the computer explaining to me where I need to go and how I need to do it. Yeah. We wanted to flip the roles. And so now I'll be the person that's hacking. He's the person that's in the, the field as the spy and get the platinum trophy. I didn't tell him this. Uh, and schedules didn't really align prior to us recording this episode, but I kind of didn't want to go back to the game prior to this episode because I didn't want my thoughts about the game and that particular experience playing on his Twitch channel to be tampered with, if you will. You heard it here, folks. 
Rusty is avoiding Blink <laughs> after he's creeping on him at late at night. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much. But yeah, no, like it was just such a special experience. And of course, Blink's Twitch community is just so welcoming and just such an incredible group of people. And I kind of likened it to my experience playing Journey yeah. on Twitch. Like I was hanging out with a bunch of cool people and just to not only experience that game with Blink, but with a community of awesome people was just a really good time, and it's a game unlike anything I've ever played. So if you were not fortunate enough to snag it or download it uh, via PlayStation Plus earlier this year, Operation Tango, I think you can get it on PC, PlayStation, maybe other platforms. I'm really not sure. It is absolutely worth playing. Find a friend or even a family member. Like You don't need to be stellar at video games to play this game. No, it was what, like a three and a half hour run? I think that's how long the stream was. Yeah, but we played it in two Twitch streams, so it probably takes about five to six hours to oh, finish. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Heck of a good time. Absolutely was going to make my list. It was just a matter of uh, figuring out where it would end up, and I think four was a very fitting place for this one. Yeah, I think so too. But uh, your number three, I think, was Ratchet and Clank Ratchet Rift and Apart. Clank, so yeah. back to you. So back to me, uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one just because we literally recorded an entire episode dedicated to this game, and that is the 2018 God of War, Santa Monica Studios. It's tough for me to put into words outside of what's already been said on prior episodes and really just the games industry as a whole. Mm -hmm. I think it won Game of the Year in 2018 at the Game Awards. Yeah, I believe it did. And it's very deserving of it. I mean, what a redemption story or just maybe not even the right words to say, but a phenomenal way to like reinvent people's perceptions of who a character is when you say their name. Yeah. I mean, when you think of Kratos, you think of button mashing, you think of just like nude people, blood, gore, just like this raw, yeah, raw anger. And the, I, I played three and then coming in i got this one on release and you came over on a friday we spent like six hours and i powered through this this was like my uh last of us part two for you Mm, where you did not leave the couch over a three-day period um up late and that's pretty much what i did i spent 30 hours straight friday through sunday um and enjoyed every second of it um and i'm excited to see where they go with the story i was all in just seeing behind the scenes, um, the emotion behind the crew. Um, And this is a game, if you haven't played it, pick it up and play it. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Uh, Combat, satisfying, beyond belief. That axe, uh, the ability to throw it and whip it back, never gets old. Uh, Engaging story beginning to end. I will say uh, there were some slower moments in the beginning, uh, but at a certain point in that story, man, hold on to your pants because it gets pretty wild. And uh, what a grand finale that transitions into Ragnarok pretty well. Yeah, and there's so much hidden along the way, um, Easter egg-wise, that kind of lead up and push you towards that finale. Um, And great music as well. Yeah, Bear McCreary, I think, is the the composer of it. I don't know how you keep all those (laughs) names straight. Yeah. I, I know that's your thing, but yeah, yeah, no, definitely worth playing. I'm I'm glad you finally got to it. I've been trying to bully you into playing this for a while, and uh, 
finally succeeded, I guess. Yeah. And it, honestly, the story and the mythology of it all was really what kind of propelled me to play Assassin's Creed Valhalla because I just wanted yeah. to experience more of the Norse stuff. So um, good, good stuff there, man. Um, God of War, go back and listen to our episode. I forget what number it is, but Ready for Ragnarok is the title. Uh, Ryan and I literally spent like an hour and a half talking about this game and our expectations and hopes and dreams for the second game in the series. But enough about that, Ryan. I want to hear what your number two game of the year is. All right. my I talked about the second one in this series and the first one, Ori Blind Forest. Oh, nice. Is my number two game this year. Um, I put 20 hours into this to complete, get a credit roll. Um, I, I love this game. I mean, similar to the second one, you're playing as Ori, this glowing little fox and the environments between each one of, I think, three areas, um, for the three main dungeons are just so unique with so much immersion and, um, kind of variation they're so alive, like every, there's so much going on in the background that you're not even touching. Mm-hmm. And just to be able to play as this cute little fox um, and just get murdered over and over and over by these platforms. <laughs> it's I, I I think I died less than Celeste, but I think it's in the 400s. Yeah. Like there were some levels where I, I've never thrown my Switch. I've nearly thrown a pro controller because I play on uh, a pro, but... It's a fantastic game, and you bought the physical copies. I don't; they're what twenty bucks or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I bought the digitals and kind of beat myself up because I would love to have these physical. Mm-hmm. Um, worth playing if you haven't played this platformer. It's difficult. I mean, it's not Celeste or maybe Meat Boy mm-hmm. um, levels, but maybe it's like those with training wheels. Yeah, definitely um, no walk in the park. And like I said, it with. Uh, uh, Will of the Wisps. Very much looking forward to playing both of these games. Yeah. So hopefully next year we'll get uh, Rusty's impression. That's right. That's right. Well, my number two, because uh, we're already post two hours now and we still got a heck of a lot of show to get <laughs> yeah, into here. Uh, but my number two, we mentioned it earlier and I jokingly said it wasn't going to make its way into my top 10. It absolutely does. And a very fitting place at number two. That's Final Fantasy VII Remake. Uh, I basically played this game one and a half times because I got it when it released originally on PS4 and I played about 10 to 15 hours of it and then for whatever reason I put it down and then once the PlayStation 5 kind of um, patch Mm -hmm. came out earlier this year and it was free via PlayStation Plus, I'm like, it's time for me to get a fresh start with this, a fresh plate of trophies, all right? I double dipped (laughs) on some of them trophies. Uh, But no, joking aside, I mean, really having not much affinity for the original game on PlayStation 1, I feel like I've experienced what made the characters so special vicariously by playing Kingdom Hearts because Mm -hmm. Cloud, Tifa, Aerith, all of them kind of make their way at some point into the Kingdom Hearts series. But you never really understand why people, why they're so beloved. Yeah. Right. And I feel like with Remake, playing it um, on my own, getting appreciation for the characters, what they stand for, and getting such a greater appreciation for them because you can only understand character personalities so much on the PS1 because they have blocky, polygonal faces. Mm-hmm. There's really no voice acting. But when you have a fully fleshed out 3D environment, all of the characters are fully voiced. Um, you get to see facial expressions. You really get a much better, 
clear understanding of who these characters are, their motivations, and the personalities that really make them who they are, Yeah. right? And so 30, 35 hours I put into this. Um, I got all of that and then some. I think it's it, – it goes without saying how incredible it is that they can take 10 hours of the original game, stretch that out into a 30, 35-hour game – and still, with all of the um, like double and triple clicking into certain character stories, um, world building, side quests, whatever it took to stretch 10 hours into 30, and still all of it to feel so meaningful and essential to the greater story. Like, I hope you get that feeling because you've played the original up until the point where Remake ends. Yeah. And I felt that in abundance where I was like... Coming away from the experience, my only complaint was that it ended. Yeah, and that's, I mean, having not played the full game, like only five hours, I just want more. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know it's going to be hard to cut off and like not experience the full story because I'm blind to everything after leaving Midgard. Um, I know there's some like iconic story beats. I have no idea what happens in the end game of Seven. And that's why I kind of wanted to only play up until where you leave. Mm -hmm. Um, because I knew this would expand and you'd be able to see it in all of its glory. Yeah. No, I can't recommend it enough, especially with it being on PlayStation Plus. I think it's coming to PC. I don't think that's happened yet because I don't, I don't really know what's happened. Um, but some unforgettable moments. I won't really go into the finer details. I'll just kind of mention some keywords that people will be able to, um, certainly relate to if you've played it. Um, even just jumping off the train in the very beginning yeah. and that first battle with the Buster Blade was really cool. The honeybee scene that you know nothing about, but for those that have played it, it and I think in some cases is their their favorite moment in the entirety of Remake. Uh, I, I have no words. I, I'm literally speechless or was speechless after playing the honeybee moment and remake the motorcycle scene when you're on cloud's motorcycle really fun and uh the last moment for me that was special even not really knowing who this character was um was meeting a character that isn't human is all i'll say Hmm. it's all i'll say but those are kind of four standout moments to me um but collectively the culmination of everything that happens in this game uh, really gets me excited for eventually getting part two of Final Fantasy VII Remake. Very nice. But Ryan, I think we've gotten to a point where we haven't mentioned a particular game. Yeah, I forgot that was going to be one of my honorable mentions. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I think it goes... Mario without- Golf is my number one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so I think it goes without saying that Kana Bridge of Spirits is our game of the year. Yes, it is. And yes. why is it such a standout game for you? This is just like the happiest game I've ever played. <laughs> uh, I, I I think this was our most anticipated, or this was probably my second most anticipated for this year after Elden Ring. Yep, it was my most anticipated game coming yeah. in this year. And then Elden Ring got pushed, and this was obviously the next game in line for game of the year. Um, the beginning of just coming into this beautiful environment, mm-hmm. surprisingly like fantastical environment for such a small studio. I mean, this was made by two brothers and then some extra funding and people from Sony and 
kind of tra- traversing through the forest, um, a lot harder combat, or it's 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 good combat, but deceptively it's a lot, difficult. Yeah, deceptively difficult is a good way to describe it. Um, and then coming out and meeting these little rot characters. Oh my gosh! And the second we saw them in the trailers, I don't know about you, I was just like, this game is what I want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you you get this your first little rot and you slowly collect more rot and they all follow you around and then you get to your first little town and there's just a stand and you're like I'm getting this currency what the hell do I use this currency for and the entire like currency is based around buying hats for your little rot companions and I'm just like uh, my heart just melted yeah it, it, my favorite song for the uh, entire year game wise is where you meet the rot yeah um very special it's, tune. i mean ori has ori will of the wisp ori blind force have really happy soundtracks but this i mean the flutiness and just the you feel like you can jump like in air mm-hmm. um kind of like legolas in the last hobbit where it's just jumping off of rocks oh yeah floating around um what a great yeah and the combat is fantastic the there's three main kind of segments to the main quest Mm -hmm. and each one uh, have its own kind of contained story Mm -hmm. arc and all of them are amazing i what about you yeah no i mean you kind of hit on all the points that i um was thinking and i I don't disagree with anything you said it really delivered in all the ways i wanted it to it was my most anticipated game coming into this year uh the thing that kind of worried me most when i first saw the trailer was is this just kind of a Pikmin game borrowing some of the more action-heavy combat mechanics of something like Horizon? And there's some of that, but it's just... It, what kind of frustrated me most was like when this game first came out, a lot of... Not a lot, but some of the reviews I was hearing were kind of just like pigeonholing this game of like, yeah, this could have been like a licensed 3D platformer that came out on the PS2, GameCube, you know, like by the THQ Nordics of the world. And I just never played it and they remade it for current generation consoles. Like I said, when it first came out and you and I had our fresh impressions, I think it's so much more than that. Um, and especially for a first outing by this small development team, Amber Labs, who previous to this, I think was really just known for their Majora's Mask, little animation. Um, so they have a history or, or experience in superb, like animated, like little cartoons, if you will, with that Major- Majora's Mask short that I still haven't seen. Um And, you know, any area where I was like, oh, you know, controls could be tightened up here. Um, The uncharted navigating or scaling walls wasn't always as good as it could have been. Upgrades for Kana could be a bit more meaningful because you really just get all this currency to buy hats for your rot. But I just anchor back to that idea of if this is the is this if this is where Ember Labs is starting, I can't imagine where they go from here because I look at someone like Gorilla that was historically known for fucking kill zone. And then they eventually make something like horizon. Or I look at someone like sucker punch that makes something like rocket robot on wheels on the N64. And then it naturally progresses into another 3d platformer like Sly Cooper. And then with additional funding and investment from Sony, they make something like infamous. And then eventually they make something like ghost of Tsushima. It's like, oh my goodness, PlayStation, please buy Ember Labs and just 
you know, add any additional funding and support and resources that they need to either give us Cana Bridge of Spirits 2, Will of the Wisps, or whatever the heck that looks like. <laughs> yeah. Or more rot. Or an entirely <laughs> new IP. I don't care what it is, but again, if this is the bar, I can't wait to see where they go from here. Yeah, and it doesn't end in a way that you need a sequel. No, but it does not. I, I'd love to see more of this or yeah, to really to see whatever they're able to produce yeah. um, with more funding. And I'm glad at least Sony towards the beginning saw that they're like, oh, this has potential. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that they won Indie Game of the Year yeah. this year for Kena. Very deserving. Um, for sure. So I, I think it's a just spot to put Game of the Year. Um, I, I, yeah. I loved every second of it. Nice, dude. Well, I'm glad we kind of came to an agreement on that. Uh, as we kind of got closer and closer to number one, I'm like, I bet I bet we're both going to have Kena at number <laughs> yeah. one. Yeah, for Very sure. cool. Well, let's quickly, Ryan, um, go through our six categories all right. that we had all of our community members uh, go through and submit for their game of the year. And then uh, we'll take a quick break, do some giveaway. I'll explain the details of that. And then we have to get into the community game of the year submissions. That we do. But uh, why don't, what was your comfort food game of 2021? Uh, having put 1,100 hours into it, my uh, comfort food of the year or comfort game of the year is mm-hmm. RuneScape. Makes sense. Uh, easy pick for me. Uh, yeah. Yeah. This is the game that I fell back on. Well, uh, mine kind of in a similar vein. I didn't put 1,100 hours into it, uh, but it was my comfort food game for a couple of months there. And that's Splitgate. Okay. Yeah, that's a good one. What about your slapping OST? That is... Ori and the Blind Forest. Nice. This is what I mean when I'm not listening to techno and jamming out for work. This is the one where I'm prepping uh, like presentations and stuff and just have like a calming, hey, I have to present to management in like 20 minutes. I'm in a forest. I'm hopping around. Mm. You're a fennec fox. <laughs> yeah, I'm a fennec fox, which is my fantasy, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yes, this is. Amazing soundtrack. Mm. Will the Wisps is up there as well, probably right behind Blind Forest. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what about you? Good stuff. My slap in OST, uh, I would say very fittingly in a similar vein for you, uh, is Final Fantasy VII Remake. Yes. Um, there's some very emotional, slow orchestral songs, and then there's some bombastic, heavy guitar riffs. I mean, it's all over the place, but just a brilliantly composed soundtrack. And even dating back to the PS1 era, uh, it, it still to this day makes sense that it's such a beloved soundtrack. And even it's that much better with uh, 7 Remake. So Yeah, no, I, I love the soundtrack. Really, Final Fantasy is as a whole has amazing soundtracks. Yeah, and uh, I probably should have prefaced this by saying that the award categories that Ryan and I are going through, I think we've been doing this for about two years now, but in an effort to get our community involved, and if you want to join the Otaki Brothers community, it's very simple. You're already halfway there because you're listening to the podcast, and that's really all we can ask of you is to consider tuning in. Uh, But the next thing that we ask people to consider doing is joining our Discord. It's free to join. The link is in the show notes. We have awesome discussions going there every single day uh ranging from music and video games just general pop pop culture type stuff video games and we even have a sports section if you're into that kind of stuff so great discussions with some of the best people that i know on the internet definitely consider checking that out and part of us trying to get people involved and hearing other people's voices and opinions for their games of the year uh, it's just kind of like figuring out five to six categories that people could submit their uh, opinions for 
for game of the year. And these are kind of the six categories that we've honed in on um, between last year and this year. One new award category, which was submitted uh, by a friend of ours, which we'll get to here shortly, but that's kind of the context for some of these categories that we're going through. But all that being said, Ryan, what is your blink and you'll miss it game, <laughs> which is a game that either came out in 2021 or a prior year that you bought and purchased this year, but it shamefully just kind of sits on the shelf unplayed? I thought that was the next one. You'll eventually get to it. Either one. I mean, oh, blinking you've missed it doesn't is- matter. Uh, this is uh, the one where you've played and other people kind of let it go by the... Uh, oh, thank you for the clarification. Yeah. yeah I explained the next one. Yeah. So Blink If You Miss It, basically, yeah, if you, you played this game, not a lot of people got traction with it. And mm. this would have to be Monster Hunter Stories 2. Okay. Um, it's I, not underappreciated. I'm sure Japan loved the crap out of this. Um, but as far as like Western audiences, this is one that... I mean. As far as turn-based RPGs, this is one that's underrepresented. And probably overshadowed by Rise, too. Yeah, I mean, Rise came out maybe a month beforehand, yeah. so people were still grinding out best gear. Um, this is a totally different genre, but still in that vein. Uh, worth looking into, if Good you like stuff. Pokemon. My uh, blink and you'll miss it is The Pathless. Okay. For a lot of yeah, the reasons I explained one. earlier, it's just I didn't hear a lot of people talking about it. And even for those that have picked it up, I just haven't heard a lot of people uh, playing it. So nice. uh, good well, pick. now we get into the I'll get it to it eventually game of 2021, where, as I just described, and yes. I appreciate the um, the correction there, Ryan, is a game that you purchased from either this year or prior year that sits shamefully <laughs> on your shelf, unplayed or unfinished. And that would have to be either I had two, and I couldn't really pick. It would either be Avengers because you got me that mm. I think for my birthday. Yep. Um, that or Pokemon Diamond. Oh, um, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, it just came out, and it was overshadowed by really Final Fantasy remake and Minecraft coming mm. out with the update. So, um, two games I definitely want to go back to next year. Good stuff. Yeah, my two. Uh, similarly, I couldn't kind of pick between either one. Is near replicant. Oh, yeah. That was kind of the remake of the original Nier. I know it's not a direct remake. There's a lot of nuance there, but I'm not going to get into that nonsense. So that's going to sit unplayed and something I'll probably try and get to in January. Okay. Leading up to Elden Ring and Horizon Forbidden West. And the other one, another most anticipated game for me for the year that I never really got around or sinking my teeth deep into was Far Cry 6. And oh, a lot of yeah. that is because post God of War, I wanted more Norse and I picked up Assassin's Creed Valhalla, another Ubisoft game. Fittingly, I guess. But uh, good stuff, Ryan. Well, what's your prior year game of the year? Probably Ori, I guess. Uh, yeah, it was Ori Will of the Wisps. Uh, because Blind Forest came out, I think it was 18 mm-hmm. or so. So Will of the Wisps is from 2020. Oh, okay. Well, and the way I, again, you answer these awards however you want to. I'm speaking to both Ryan and the entire listener base. Uh, when, I, when we say prior year game of the year... Not necessarily just 2020, but literally any year prior to the year we're talking about. Oh, then yeah, it would be Blind Forest. Okay. And uh, mine's Final Fantasy VII Remake. Okay, good choice. And then I think we both can agree that the 2020 game of the year is Cana Bridge's Beards. Yes. Good stuff. Man, what a year for games. It was a good year. Um, A lot we haven't played yet, but... And then looking at 2022, it's going to be a crazy year as well. Yeah. Um, A lot... Put, a lot of what we expected to come out this year is being pushed, mm-hmm. and it allowed Kane to shine. That's um, right. Yeah, and there's so much that I didn't that. even get to this year. You know, I look at something like Returnal by House yeah. Marquis. Um, 
I know it's a very standout title for a lot of people. Didn't get around to that. Metroid Dread, another one yeah. we didn't really get to. I, I suck um, too much at platformers. <laughs> yeah. Do that one. And a lot of the Xbox yeah. front. Xbox really shined this year with, um, of course, Flight Simulator earlier in the summer, uh, Forza Horizon 5, Halo yeah. Infinite came out to um, excellent reviews. So I'm very happy that um, 343 ended up pushing that a year. No, yeah, I'm... I'm- I mean, we gave it crap when it originally showed because it deserved it. Yeah. And it wasn't like we're shitting on the game. It was criticism and constructive criticism. And seeing a developer like similar to with the Sonic movie, going back to the drawing board and taking it to heart what the fans want, Mm -hmm. it's met to uh, really good reviews. Um, So I'm excited to eventually co-op that one. Absolutely. Well, Ryan, before we get into um, the community game of the award submission, game of the year award submissions, I want to do the giveaway. Live here on the show. Okay. So while you're getting the random number generator stuff queued up, I'll kind of explain the background to the giveaway. And I explained this on Discord. So again, another reason to be in the Discord because you're going to miss out on free stuff if you're not there. So earlier um, this month, I kind of pitched the idea to Ryan and we both were like, let's do it. For anyone that submitted an email for their game of the year, you got one entry into a giveaway for a $35 eShop gift card. If you submitted a review for the podcast and provided evidence of that review, you got two additional entries for a maximum possible, Ryan. What's one plus two? Shit. Uh, one, two, three. There you go. It's three. <laughs> maximum possible entries for three for the giveaway. And we got... 23, 24 entries, if I did my math correctly. Um, and so again, if you submitted a review, two points, submitted a game of the year email, you got one. And so what I'm going to do here is Ryan is going to run a n- random number generator. Yeah, from one to 23. I have these ordered in the order that people submitted either their email or podcast review. Um, whether that's fair or not, I don't know. But it's all random in the end, okay? So everyone's chances are pretty much the same unless, of course... One out of 23 are your chances depending on number of submissions. Thank you. You definitely described that much more eloquently. (laughs) You're welcome. We're like four and a half hours in right now, so... (laughs) Well, if you went to the... uh, Yeah. Yeah. If a train (laughs) leaves at 10 o'clock in (laughs) Minneapolis... Approaching Chicago at 53 miles per hour. Yeah. What's the square root of seven? Um, Anyways, okay, so let's get to this, Ryan. All right. Um, actually, hold on a second. I need to delete these two columns. All right. Now we're good. One to 23. Here we go. Ryan, between one and 23, what is our random number and who is the winner of a $35 eShop gift card? 22. 22 is, I almost consider this not fair because the person submitted it so late, but they still got the email in. That is Midipore, a newer person uh, to our Discord, but a long time um, person that was, I would say, in the kind of old school YouTube gaming community. So Midipore is the winner of a $35 eShop gift card. But Ryan, did you know that it's the season of giving? Yes, it is. Yeah. And I think you and I wanted to be a little bit more uh, giving and kind this year. So we're actually going to have a runner up prize for a $10 eShop gift card. That we are. And so why don't you run that one more time and tell me another number. Three. Three is our boy, 
Dean, Irish Steeler. Nice. So Dean and Minipore are the winners of the eShop gift cards. Now, I think eShop gift cards are very specific to the region. And given that Dean lives across the pond, I might have to figure out some workarounds to get him his eShop funds. Okay. But we'll figure it out. I'll be in touch with both of you. I'll get into your, I'll, I'll just slide right into your DMs. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> All right. And I'll get you the eShop gift cards. But I also just want to thank everyone, um, whether it was because you were incentivized or not, for the participation for this this year. Um, I have a hell of a lot of stuff to read through here, but I couldn't be happier to do it because one of the biggest reasons why Ryan and I do the show is first and foremost, for the love of doing it. Exactly. But also the community out there that continues to listen and support and uh, tune into the show. So thank you so much for submitting these emails and also to the select few of you out there that submitted some reviews. Uh, special sa- shout outs to Dean, Irish Dealer, Josh Prep, Logan. He submitted a review a long time ago, but he was still in contention for the eShop gift card. Ann, Nintai, Eric, Ryan's Dragon, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> Yeah. We appreciate the reviews, good people. Yeah. All right. Thanks Thank for you all the kind so, words. So much. But without further ado, Ryan, I think it's time to get into the Otaku Brothers Community Game of the Year submissions. Let's do it. We've got, I think, 14 emails the last time I counted. We could get one at the 11th hour here. Who knows? We're, we were still getting emails late into the, the night, uh, even this morning. And uh, Lauren sent an email. So. We have a lot to get through is the long and short of it. I'm going to go through these in the order that they were submitted. Not that it necessarily matters. And I should also preface this by saying that the only thing I read in any of these was glossing and skimming through the emails to get everyone's slapping OST Mm, submission or vote. And I'll explain kind of the rationale behind that a little later. All right. All right. First email from the second runner up eShop gift card. Winner is our friend Dean, also known as Irish Steeler. He says, hey guys, here's my submissions for this year's awards. One honorable mention I'd like to include before my choices is Resident Evil 4 on Oculus Quest 2. Mm. It's the best VR game uh, I've, ever, I've ever played, and it's probably the best way to play a Resident Evil 4 ever. I'll find it hard replaying the game on a console after the amazing experience on Oculus. Wow. I know everyone loved that game. So high praise, high praise. I actually watched a. I finally watched a playthrough of that. Good for you. Well, you know, the, ne- the next step is actually playing it. I have years until I can cope with that, but <laughs> maybe on Oculus. Resident Evil Four is not too bad. All right, number one for him, uh, his comfort food game of 2021 is Oddworld Soulstorm. Grew up playing the Oddworld series on PS One. I love the lore of the Oddworld inhabitants, and I really enjoyed jumping back into the world with Soulstorm to save some uh, Mudokans, even if it was just for 10 minutes to chill out. Very nice. I think that was free on PlayStation Plus earlier in the year. Yeah, I was, I was going through games, the fifth or the fourth entry, where it was games that you bought and never played. Mm-hmm. I saw that in my library. I didn't realize I got it. But yeah, for PlayStation yeah. Plus. Good stuff. Fun one. Number two, slap an OST. I'm currently halfway through Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, mm-hmm. and this is a no-brainer for slap an OST of 2021. Just like the movies, this soundtrack is so well put together with each mission having a song that fits. Yeah, I the first Guardians of the Galaxy was fantastic. It had a great soundtrack. So. Well... I'm not going to give any additional awards out for our listeners, but 
Before we get into the slapping OST medley to fade out the episode, one of the people I will be shouting out is Dean, because I couldn't believe how hard the Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack slaps. Really? More on that later. Okay. Number three, the blink and you'll miss a game of 2021 for him is Disco Elysium. Trust me when I say this game will take you on a mind-bending journey. The voice acting is amazing. The music is so atmospheric. The world itself will have you hooked with all the things you discover, and once you complete it, the story will stick with you for a while after. Genuinely believe everyone should play this game at least once. I haven't played this one. I haven't either. Heard about it, heard great things, so um, definitely one we need to keep on our radar. Number four, I'll get to it eventually game of 2021. Uh, Speaking my language, Dean, he says Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Can't say much because I haven't played it, but if it's anything like Odyssey with Vikings, I can't wait to jump in. I maybe dwelled on the negative earlier, (laughs) but definitely worth hopping into, Dean. Can't wait to hear your thoughts. Prior year game of the year, Final Fantasy VII Remake. Heck yeah, buddy. Having finished it this year, this is an easy choice for me. I'll start by saying that the combat is so enjoyable and easy to get the hang of. It made the gameplay feel so flawless. The music is stunning. Along with the graphics, it's honestly the best remake of a game I have ever played. I cannot wait to see what they do with part two, and I hope I'm alive when they release the bloody thing. (laughs) (laughs) No kidding, man. My gosh, that's a good point, actually. It'll probably come before the next uh, Kingdom Hearts. I don't know. That's a toss up. You know, we should put some money on that. Yeah, really, it's it's a toss up between Skyrim or uh, the next Elder Scrolls part two and then uh yeah yeah all right well his 2021 game of the year is hitman 3 this is the game i had the most fun with this year there was a mission in a nightclub we were trying to find agents who are undercover while they're or while they're also trying to find you in this incredible game of cat and mouse it honestly had me sweating I've replayed each mission more than 10 times with each time a different way to the last there is so much to do in this one once you complete it, you can do the create your own contracts for people to comp- complete online, and you can try thousands of theirs as well. It's just fantastic value for money. I can't wait to see what they do with their 2000 or 2007, 007 James Bond games. If it's anything like this, it will be a day one purchase for me. I forgot. I think it's IO Interactive. The developers of Hitman are doing a uh, James Bond game. I don't even know if I've heard of that. I have heard of that. That's going to be awesome. He Dean closes it out by saying, I just want to finish off by saying you both have done an incredible job this year with the Discord, game nights, and the podcast. I've had a tough year mentally, and you guys were one of the few who helped me with the bad times. I wish you both continued success. You're awesome dudes. Happy gaming, Dean. It's words like that, Ryan, that uh, I know we talked about we do this show first and foremost for because we love doing it. Yeah. But to get those little pats on the back and to hear that it's the show has helped people through difficult times because let's face it the two these past 2 years have kicked everyone in the ass. Yeah, no, it, it's great to hear. I mean, we're in the same boat um with it being a tough couple years. So, mm-hmm. um we feel it and we're here for you. Absolutely. We've had some highs and lows. Ryan and I both, I think we can both say um mentally and emotionally just coping with uh, really the events of the world right and if ryan and i can record an entertaining podcast to p- take people's mind off things and create a safe space in the discord to just um chat about whatever the heck you want to um it's just kind of music to my ears 
Yeah. So thanks for the kind words, Dean. Very much appreciate it. You are a certified real one, my friend. All right, we're keeping keeping things moving here. Ben, also known as Holy Hand Grenade on the Discord, his comfort food game of 2021, Story of Seasons, Friends of Mineral Town. I haven't played Harvest Moon in a long time, and it was a nice it was nice revisiting this series. Lauren actually is a big fan issues of this series especially this one in particular so good to hear that others are getting some enjoyment out of it all right here's another chance for me to shout out some people and uh their ear for good tunes holy hand grenade slapping ost of 2021 is haven mm-hmm. i would purposely completely quit out of the game not just put it into stand in stand in mode just the next time i started it up I could listen to the opening music. Damn. Holy Hand Grenade, thank you for opening up my eyes to just how slapping an OST this is. I immediately, after um, including one of the songs from Haven in the medley, went and downloaded the game, and I'm hoping to play it with my wife, uh, if not by the end of this year, certainly into the next. So thank you for opening my eyes to that. And for others, stay tuned for that medley. Yeah, I'm excited. Telling you about it. His blink and you'll miss it game of 2021, fittingly enough, Haven. It definitely has some rough edges and I could see people bouncing off it hard, but it tackles a type of storytelling you don't really see in video games and with more maturity than it usually, than is usually given, romance. No, not romance as a side element, but as the focus. Every story element comes back to the focus on the relationship between the two lead characters. Everything in this game, including the combat, revolves around this relationship it will be a game that sticks with me longer than most games i played this year i don't know if i've heard of this one i definitely uh, haven't yeah and that's yeah. why um i remember holy hand grenade talked about it in the discord earlier in the year and uh i definitely added it to my wish list but after hearing the soundtrack really pushed me over the edge to get it so his i'll get to it eventually game of 2021 one you talked about monster hunter stories 2 he liked the demo a lot he just didn't, or he just hasn't gotten to it yet. Yeah, you're going to really enjoy it if you love the demo. Absolutely. Prior year game of the year. Oh, fantastic choice. Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII. This is a game I might not have gotten around to if it wasn't for the Gentleman's Challenge, and I'm so glad I did. I went in knowing it had a good reputation, and it managed to exceed those expectations. Crisis Core is so damn good. PSP game. Oh, okay. Oh, Nice. So good. So good. Excellent choice. And his 2021 game of the year, Psychonauts 2. It may not have that pitch perfect controls of something like a Mario, but as someone who has been waiting for years for the sequel, it it delivered exactly what I wanted. Note, Haven came out December of last year, but I feel like this is late enough to count as this year. You're wrong. And uh, we're actually going to... Yeah. Strike you from the record. Edit this out of the podcast. No, of course. Again, making these lists, you make your own rules and you have fun with it. That's the only rule uh, when submitting these emails for uh, the sake of the podcast. So good on you, Holy Hand Grenade. Excellent list of six there. And next up, we have a longtime friend of the show, Logan. Community Game of the Year Awards is what he titles the email. He says, long time, no write-in. Life has been crazy, but I have to get in on this annual tradition. By the way, if I win the drawing and I don't want the I don't want the gift card because I don't have a switch. 
You're welcome to the rest of the listeners. <laughs> well, no worries. We included you on the list, Logan, and I actually would have reached out to you individually uh, if you had one to get you or hook you up with either a PSN or Xbox credit, whatever it might be. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Anyways, his comfort food game of 2021, New World. My first real MMO. I've tried WoW before and played for a few hours, but there was just so much that I got overwhelmed with. When this new MMO by Amazon Studios, yes, Papa Bezos made an MMO, (laughs) (laughs) was announced this year, I was really excited to jump in with with both feet and learn it. Luckily, it was a smash hit and all the big streamers were playing it. I had so much fun losing myself in this game for hours as a comfort food game and watching something on the side. I haven't played it in a while, but I always go through phases in which I want to play MMOs. I think Ryan can relate. I've never touched an MMO. (laughs) (laughs) I have my chip. (laughs) Oh, God. No, yeah, I think I've heard of this one. Um, Well, welcome to the club. Absolutely. His slap in OST of 2021. And it's interesting because he says he doesn't have a Switch, but he says Pokemon Brilliant Diamond. So I wonder if he just queued up the soundtrack on YouTube on the way to work. But anyways, he goes on and says, this remake brought back so many memories as a kid, riding in the back seat on my way to family houses, uh, families' houses, restaurants, stores, clothing shops, whatever it might be. Anytime I was in the car, I probably had my Game Boy slash DS in my hands. The game I remember playing most was Pokemon Platinum. So hearing all of the original tracks again for the first time in a long time made me feel like a kid again, and I loved it. Excellent stuff. It is really, really nice. It is. The rend- yeah. yeah. The renditions of those uh, original Pokemon Diamond, Pearl, and uh, Platinum tracks. So good stuff. Blink and you'll miss a game of 2021, Crab Game. A game based on the popular show Squid Game, this one-person dev game, free on steam brought me and my friends so much laughter all the popular (laughs) games from squid game plus some made up by the dev and the proximity chat with all other 39 players made this game so much fun my two friends and i got covid at the same time right as this game came out so we spent a lot of time playing this and it helped us have some laughs through the rough time of covid i'm sorry to hear you you got covid uh, Logan, but at least you found an escape to kind of get through that. Yeah, I think Crab Game was the one with like the insane trailer by like the devs. I I might be thinking of a different game, but there were a few different like Squid Game inspired games that came out at the same time, and I think this one got a lot of notoriety because okay. of the trailer. Very interesting. Yeah, I, I hadn't heard of it, but uh, very cool nonetheless. His I'll eventually get to it game of 2021 is the second half of It Takes Two. Sadly, I never finished this game. I played through the first half of it with my friend Brandon and the first half of it again with his uh, his wife, Natalie, or fiance. I'm sorry. Um, one or the other, the love of his life. Sadly, <laughs> life got in the way and we just haven't went back to it, but we will eventually. And I'm with you, Logan. Uh, my wife, Lauren, and I, we started it about a month ago and uh, we haven't gotten back to it. Not for lack of enjoyment, but just uh, other things got in the way. Yeah. His prior year game of the year is... Skyrim. Yes. It's kind of a shame to admit I never made it past the first dragon until my playthrough this year. Whoa. I always got bored for some reason. But this year, when I really had a bad bout of anxiety, I finally sat down and played through this game and I loved it. I loved losing myself in all of the lore and skill tree and just everything about it. The soundtrack is probably my favorite and I now listen to it often while working. 
I'm still playing through it, but I can't believe I waited this long to get around to playing it. I think it will always be my comfort food game for me because it helped me get through one of the toughest times of my life this year. Man, Skyrim is really excellent for that. Yeah, I'm glad you finally got around to it. I mean, that's one of my or our comfort games. I went back to it this year as well. And yeah, glad you made it past the first dragon. Yeah, and I'm also thankful to hear that it helped you through a difficult time with anxiety. That's no joke, Logan. I appreciate you you sharing that. And Jeremy Soul's soundtrack is definitely have a way of helping you get through the workday. Yeah. But also kind of just find your happy place and uh, get to a place of peace. Yeah, and the theme song is amazing with the chanting. and. Oh. Yeah. It's so good. There's some metal versions out there of the theme song worth looking into. It won't make its way into the medley, but we can only hope. Yeah. All right. His 2021 game of the year is It Takes Two. This may come as a surprise because I didn't finish it, but I can say enough good things about this game, even only playing through the first half. Both times I played this game was so much fun, funny, and so beautiful. The world design was amazing. Not just the area you play in, but the backgrounds, sounds, and music was honestly the best I think I've seen. The movement was so crisp, and that is important for me in a video game. I love that I could play this game with my fiancé and my best friend, and we all loved it and laughed. I genuinely love this game so much. He closes out his email saying, I'm sorry if that was a lot. Uh, You're right, I'll be editing out at least (laughs) 70% of that. And post Logan. So sorry about that, buddy. He said, I try to keep it kind of short because you guys have a ton to get through. I'm excited to hear everyone else's award nominations and compare. Thank you guys. You are most welcome, Logan. And no, there's no need to apologize. We're here to read it all. This is just what we do in Otaku Brothers. Yeah, thanks for writing in. Josh Prep is up next. He says, hey, Otaku Bros. (laughs) I know it wasn't required, but I thought it'd be fun to include my nominees or runners up in each category because why not share the love for other games we played also i've not played a lot of 2021 games so you're not gonna or you're going to see quite a few games that have been around for a while but i am positive about my game of the year anyway here are my picks for the 2021 otaku bros game of the year awards (laughs) his comfort food game of 2021 runner up is legend of zelda breath of the wild and great oh gosh he's got a whole bunch of them here breath of the wild Great Ace Attorney Chronicles, Kingdom Hearts, Melody of Memory, and Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury. Oh, hit my desk. The winner for him is New Pokemon Snap. Wow. Good choice. Good choice. Not a game Ryan and I connected with, but that's just not a game that's really for us. Yeah. No, I I could see that being a really nice kind of relaxing game. Absolutely. Slap an OST of 2021. He's got four and a half million runner-ups here. Let's get through them here. (laughs) Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury. Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory. Don't know if it counts since it's mostly just prior Kingdom Hearts soundtracks, but I love the music. Well, you're speaking to the right person and submitting these awards to the right crew, Josh, because anytime Kingdom Hearts shows up in anyone's game of the year list, it's going to get mentioned and it's certainly going to be appreciated. Yeah. Ori and the Will of the Wisps in yes. Hades. But his winner for Slap and OST is great Ace Attorney Chronicles. Hmm. Very good stuff. His Blink and You'll Miss a Game of 2021. Uh, I'm going to kind of fast forward through these runner-ups because we are approaching three hours of the show. So I apologize, Josh, but thank you nonetheless for the email. His Blink and You'll Miss a Game was Florence, which I think is a pretty short indie game. Okay. I don't know much about it, but I have heard good things especially from our friends over there uh, on IndieQuest. 
but his I'll get to it eventually game of 2021, uh, a favorite of ours, my yes. 2020, 2019, 19. I think 2019 game of yeah. the year is Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Excellent choice. I hope you get around to it next year, buddy, because man, that game's good. Yeah, great story. Um, and then I think there's some DLC to it as well. Absolutely. His prior year game of the year is Ori and the Will of the Wisps. Very nice. Good choice. Good choice. And his 2021 game of the year, uh, my Twitter feed for many months was filled with screenshots and lots of high praise from Josh, is Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. Cool. Not a series I've gotten into. I know, uh, I think it originally debuted on the Nintendo DS. But, yeah, uh, I've never played these. Never been my cup of tea, but maybe uh, I'll get around to checking them out eventually. All right. Moving right along here, this next person that submits is Travis Losey, someone I actually graduated college with. Oh, cool. Good friend of mine. He says, happy Friday, which oddly enough, he sent this like two weeks ago, but we're reading this on a Friday. What a coincidence. The magic here. I've really enjoyed listening to you guys on my long commutes to work and think you guys are doing an amazing job. Attached in the Word doc are my 2021 Game of the Year submissions. Thanks for the kind words, Yeah, thanks, man. All right. His comfort food game of 2021, Ryan, is Animal Crossing New Horizons. Oh, yes. Heck yeah. <laughs> Such an easy game to return to either for a few hours or a whole week at a time throughout the year to continue making improvements to my island and home. Additionally, my daughter is just old enough to play the game with me, and it is the cutest thing how excited she gets whenever she catches a fish or a bug. That's adorable. Yeah, that is adorable. His slap in OST of 2021 is The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD. Yes. My favorite Zelda soundtrack of all time. So I listen to it often enough already. But after replaying the game, I find myself listening to the soundtrack so often during work or commutes that no other game compares this year. Love that. Love that. And you might even hear a little Skyward Sword in the medley. Yeah, that's one of the games I wanted to play this year. Never Mm -hmm. got around to it. His blink and you'll miss a game of 2021 was the N64 collection on Nintendo Switch. Mm. Does a collection of retro games count? It's my list. So yes. <laughs> In my inner circle of friends, no one recalled this being advertised and missing it when it came out earlier this year. My wife and I have loved revisiting these games. And with more being added in the future, we are very excited to continue to revisit our childhood favorites. Good stuff. His I'll eventually get to it game of 2021 is Bravely Default 2. Heard amazing things, got to it right as it came out due to recommendations from from some friends and family, but due to the time commitment, haven't created a save file on it. I'm hoping that during the winter months, I'll find some time to finally get started on it. Yeah, I actually have that downloaded. I played at Rick's house and it's a fun one. Nice. Enjoy. Yeah, I never played the original Bravely Default, but I too have heard great things about the second game. Prior year game of the year, Ryan, Ori and the Blind Forest. Yes. Working my way through the Ori collection, and I love everything about this game. I love the art style, game mechanics, and difficulty. Platformers are often either at the extreme end of love, hate for me, and this game sets a new standard of love in my book. I completely agree. Love to hear that. And his 2021 game of the year is Pokemon Brilliant Diamond. Wow. One of the two generations, Gen 4 and 5, that I did not play growing up or at the time of original release, so no nostalgia goggles for me. I love Pokemon, and getting to play essentially a new game for him is amazing. I love the art style, the Gen 4 Pokemon, and it has been the most enjoyable game of the year for me. Glad you're having fun. Excellent. If you want some eggs, hit me up. (laughs) 
<laughs> Ryan's always doing the breeding. I've got a few dittos. All right. Next, we have our good buddy, Eric, otherwise known as Nintai, also known as Ryan's Dragon. Ryan's Dragon. He says, hey, gents, here's my contribution to the show. By the way, this is Nintai and EJS on the podcast review. Really nice review, by the way. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks, Nintai. His comfort food game, Destiny 2 or Hitman 3. Getting back into Destiny 2 was challenging, but once I did, it was great fun. Playing with friends, Hitman 3 was a traditional Hitman, and that's never a bad thing. I need to get around to playing that series again. Yeah, I need to start or try it for the first time. You should, yeah. Slappin' OST, Returnal. Very atmospheric game heightened by the OST. And uh, doing some research behind the scenes, I can definitely attest very atmospheric, brooding, kind of gross and dreary soundtrack. Yeah. But I sure all, I'm sure compliments that experience well. His blink and you'll miss it. He said, this is tough for me. I didn't play too many obscure games, so I don't have an answer. Well, you son of a bitch, you did. <laughs> TBD is a good answer as well. It is. I guess. We, we're just joking around <laughs> these parts. His I'll get to it eventually is Psychonauts 2 or Deathloop. Both games were atop my most anticipated list. His prior year game of the year, Paper Mario the Origami King, keeps the charm of the series and manages to improve upon the more recent entries. Uh, you know, I don't have a whole lot of history playing Paper Mario. No, this is one that I wanted to play. I never got around to it, though. Um, Mario as an RPGs is just an interesting concept. Yeah, yeah. But good choice, nonetheless. In his game of the year, Halo Infinite. Exceeded lofty expectations, even with the delay. Seamless open world transition and outstanding multiplayer. Comeback evolved. Take care, Eric. Excellent choices. Yeah. Good. Great game of the year. Good stuff. Next up, Ryan, we have Devil May Pie DMP. Uh, our only guest of the year, by the way. Oh, yeah. Good stuff. He starts it off by saying, sorry, this one coming in at the last second, but here goes. Uh, no, you got this in... Uh, Middle of the pack. Yeah, exactly, DMPs. No worries. But his comfort food game of 2021, Forza Horizon 5. Mm. Such a relaxing, chill game that will be in my permanent rotation. Slappin' OST of 2021, Near Replicant, and Ease 9. Two banging soundtracks. Yeah, for sure. Good stuff. His Blink and You'll Miss a Game of 2021, Record of Lodos War. One of your favorites, Ryan. Available yeah, everywhere, including on Game Pass. <laughs> A Castlevania Symphony of the Night inspired Metroidvania with Ikaruga mechanics. Very interesting. interesting. I like what it's coming from. I don't know what Ikaruga mechanics, but it sounds <laughs> sounds very Japanese. Uh, to translate that in English, that yeah. is a, uh, I think, vertical or horizontal shoot 'em up on the GameCube. Okay. A bullet. Most home. of that sentence is like when I describe Minecraft to you. <laughs> <laughs> so. It's okay. Sounds his, like a fun one. Yeah. His I'll get to it eventually game of 2021, Blue Reflection 2, and the great Ace Attorney Chronicles. Hmm. Well, the latter is probably worth getting to because it was Josh Prep's game of the year. So just make note of that, DMP. His prior year game of the war- game of the year is Near Replicant. Yes, I know. It's a new remaster with new content, but I can't include it with the other 2021 games because Near is like one of my children. It would win every year because I'm biased. 
<laughs> oh gosh, I can't wait to get around to playing that. Near Replicant looks like flashy, good, fun in the JRPG JRPG space. Yeah, no, I played the second one, or I guess the original, whichever one doesn't have a bunch of numbers after it. Um, and then seeing this Automata, is, yeah, Automata. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to play the one with numbers after it first before I got to Automata. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In his 2020 game of the year, he says, okay, this will be a cop-out because I'm still deciding on the winner till the last second, so here's a three-way tie. Metroid Dread, Shin Megami Tensei 5, and Tales of Arise. All fitting games for DMP, especially hearing him tweet about these and talk about them in our Discord. So, excellent selections, great submissions, DMP. Thank you for the submission. Next... We got longtime friend of mine. I've known him for years through YouTube, Nick Knack. He says, hello, good sirs. Hope I'm not late on posting my submissions. Like always, thanks for the enjoyable content each year and a happy holidays to you guys. And happy holidays to you, yeah, Nick Knack. thanks. You, you as well. Comfort food game of 2021, Unpacking. Not oh. because he moved. I guess it's an actual <laughs> game. He says, this was a game I've heard a bit of good things about on Game Pass, so I decided to try it. A surprisingly good puzzle game in which you try and put items into a living complex while going through the story of a woman's life. It's mm. so nice seeing where things go and the story it tells. Haven't heard of that one. I haven't. Sounds interesting. Yeah. All right. This is, I think, my third and final shout out on the soundtrack side of things. Nick Knack Slap and OST of 2021 is the Artful Escape. He says, sad to say, but I'm still in the process of finishing this one. Even so, I am in love with it, and I can't see why it got a. Uh, I can oh, he says I can see why it got a nomination for best music in the Game Awards. A beautiful mix of folk rock and space rock with some gl- great lyrics to boot. If you're a fan of Bob Dylan and David Bowie's music, this is something worth checking out. And I can attest, not being familiar with the music, based on the the perfect comparison or analogy that he made there, description. Uh, you'll be able to pinpoint it in the medley for sure. I'll check right. it out. His Blink and You'll Miss a Game of 2021, Ender Lily's Quietus of the Nights. That's a name. This was a surprisingly well-done Metroidvania that I believe no one got to because there were other indie games being praised, as well as Metroid Dread being the best in the genre of this year. A great title in which you play as a little girl on a quest to purify a world taken over by a plague. It mm. looks, plays, and sounds beautiful, to where I can't find anything negative to say about it. Heck, that sounds wow. like a, That's high praise. Yeah. Ender Lily's Quietus of the Nights. All right, we got to check that out. The all get to it eventually game of 2021 for Knickknack is Scarlet Nexus. This is one title my brother bought, and I keep trying to play it, but still fail in doing so. It's just so hard trying to balance a lot of games I started out in Game Pass with two to three other JRPGs. Scarlet Nexus is a Bandai Namco game, and uh, I've heard really good things about this. Um, I couldn't really describe it at a high level other to say that uh, look it up on YouTube. Okay. Worth checking out. His prior year game of the year is The World Ends With You, a game I consider to be my favorite Nintendo DS game of all time. In preparation for the anime adaptation and its sequel, I replayed it this year and it still holds up. Gameplay that feels different and fresh, amazing art direction, and a slapping OST made this a game one of my biggest obsessions next to Persona. Wow. Never got around to really getting into Worlds Ends With You. Um, I know uh, TV and Lust, those of you who might remember him on YouTube, uh, he's still making videos, by the way. Check him out. But he was 
gosh, the biggest evangelist for that game. And uh, I just didn't really click click with it. It didn't click with me. I haven't heard of the last five games mentioned <laughs> in this email, so I haven't gotten around to it either. And I'm running out of the ability to speak, so let's keep <laughs> yeah, going. what are words? <laughs> going on here. His game of the year, Persona 5 Strikers. Unfortunately, okay. this one might change with time, just like my last game of the year, in the sense that although I said Resident Evil 3 Remake took it from me, it got overtaken at the end of the year because of a little title called 13 Sentinels. Even so, Strikers is my game of the year as of right now because of how it's a Warriors title that actually feels different to it being a Persona spinoff. It has gameplay that takes strategy, storing characters that are well-made, and it just oozes that Persona charm. It was one of my most anticipated of this year, and I'd say it delivered. Good stuff. If you're into the Musou, Hyrule Warriors, Dynasty Warriors type stuff, check out Persona 5 Strikers. And now's the best time to do it because I believe it's one of next month's PS Plus titles. Oh, nice. Next, we have an unfamiliar face, Steve, otherwise known <laughs> as Blink. He sent in two emails, but I'm only going to read one of them. And the reason being is because in the follow-up to his first, he says, Okay, there were some serious typos and oddities that would have made your life hard when reading it on air. So I fixed, the- I fixed those for you. Oh, by the way, you're wonderful. Oh. <laughs> thanks, thanks blink he wrote a war and peace novel and we're gonna get to holy all of crap. it <laughs> holy crap that's the longest email i've seen in years oh my gosh let me take a drink of water real quick mm. okay here we go blink starts it out and he says howdy fellas i won't take a bunch of your time with a long intro as i know you have a lot to get through what yeah. i will say is that 2021 was an interesting year for games I feel like I, I played a lot of great games, but I don't know that any of them will elevate to lifelong favorites. That's an interesting point, and I actually kind of felt similarly. Like, we talked high praise about Kena, um, but like God of War and Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ori, Will of the Wisps, and Blind Forest, I think prior year games uh, were the standouts for both of us. Yeah. For the most part, but uh, yeah, I, I digress. We continue. Uh, he says, it's difficult to say that for certain without the benefit of hindsight. My overall feel for this year was that it was full of solid, well-made games that kept me happy, but didn't always leave a lasting impression. That's not to say every year needs to be completely, needs to completely blow me away though, and there are certainly a ton of great games to talk about. So let's do that. His comfort food game of 2021. For this, I have to go with Cruise and Blast. I've never really given this series much attention, but an arcade racer is exactly what I needed this year. The game has an incredible sense of speed, tons of cool unlockables, and is just so easy to pick up and play for a few races. Whenever I had 20 minutes free or was looking to play something fun but mindless while I listened to a podcast, this was my go-to for sure. His slap in OST of 2021, uh, I... Stand corrected. There was actually one more person that I wanted to shout out uh, when it related to or when it came to some slap and soundtracks that I was unaware of. Okay. And that is Blink's vote here. He says this one is easy. The best soundtrack of this year by far was Fantasian, which I think I pr- pronounced that correctly. For those unaware, Fantasian is a mobile entry only turn-based RPG put out by Miss Walker. And while I love to sit and praise the game itself, it's the score by Nobuyu Umatsu, again, I probably butchered the pronouncement of that, that we need to focus on. If you love his work from the 16 and 32-bit eras, this feels like that taken to a whole new level. He truly did not have to go this hard when making Fantasian's music, but he did. 
This one is right up there with Chrono Cross and Final Fantasy IX as RPG, RPG soundtracks I'll listen to for the rest of my life. Don't believe me? Just listen to the main theme and try to disagree. So yeah, don't worry about it, Blank. We got some Fantasian representation in the medley here shortly. So, you know, just stay tuned for that. I'm excited. Yeah. His Blink and You'll Miss a Game of uh, 2021, The Hidden Gem, he says, for me, isn't every game a Blink and You'll Miss a Game? (laughs) But seriously, I have to give this one to a game I've heard almost nobody talk about. Exo 1. You control mm. a weird contorting sphere, and your goal is to control its gravity and momentum to travel across vast and beautiful planets. The minute-to-minute gameplay feels a lot like Tony Hawk, where you're launching from ramp to ramp, or in XO1's case, crater to crater, and timing your movement to increase your velocity for the next jump. When you get good, you can pull off some crazy moves and achieve some ridiculous speeds. On top of that, it has a shockingly effective story and a ton of beautiful and varied planets. Plus, I'm just a sucker for anything set in the vast unknown of space. It's available on Game Pass, and I'd recommend people check it out. His I'll Get to It Eventually game of 2021, he says, This is an unfair category. I don't appreciate being called out like this. Who can possibly (laughs) play all the games they buy? To me, that feels like an unreasonable expectation. I suppose, if I had to narrow it down to just one, I'd go with The Medium, a horror game Mm, by Bluebird Team that I was really excited to check out, but never got around to playing. I tend to leave horror to the October spooky season, and since I didn't squeeze it into 2021, it's on deck and ready for 2022's Horror Stravaganza. Yeah, this is, I really was interested in this one. This was the one with the two, like, flipped Mm -hmm. realities. Exactly. Yeah. This one looked great. Yeah. I think it's Xbox only, right? It was, and then it came to other platforms. Oh, cool. Yeah. So thank goodness we can get trophies on that one next year. Right, Blink? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Blink knows what I'm talking about. I heard an echo of his voice in the the distant, the distance. Anyways, his prior year game of the year, he says, honestly, it's, too, it's way too hard to pick my prior game of the year because there are just so many good games out there. I've played a ton of high quality games from across the last few decades and 2021, and many of them are games I know I'll love for a long time. I went back and forth on this pick, on what this pick should be, but at the end of the day, I think I have to give it to the first game that popped into my head, Dragon Age Origins. Mm. I've always liked Bioware's output, but I wouldn't consider myself a super fan. KOTOR was fun, and I enjoyed the first Mass Effect, but never went on to two, at least not yet. But Dragon Age Origins was the perfect game for me. Much like a Tolkien or George R.R. Martin work, Bioware took the fantasy setting and used it as a backdrop to tell rich and interesting stories about well-rounded and unique characters. I loved almost everyone in my party and always was excited to come on a new location or some new bit of lore. It's the type of game where just talking to your party is exciting. I see why it's a favorite game for so many people. Plus, Playing the whole thing on stream made it that much better because I was able to share it with old fans and folks new to the game. A real treat. And I will say, tuning into Blink streams, watching this game, one, uh, reminded me how badly I need to actually get around to playing Dragon Age, the entirety of the series. Um, But it was very entertaining to see him um, make a lot of the different choices because, again, similar to like your Walking Deads or even uh, Witchers of the World, there are choices that you have to make in this game that have lasting impacts and consequences to the overall story. Yeah, I mean, Dragon Age, I think, 2 was 
probably one of my favorite trailers of all time. Mm. Um, it's the one with the uh, him summoning dragons. Oh. And you got like smoky eyes. Yeah. Check it out. Good stuff. All right. Now we get to Blink's Game of the Year for 2021. As many of you know, I take Game of the Year very seriously. I spend hours building my list, arranging it, making hard cuts, organizing until it's perfect, sleepless nights staring out the window. (laughs) He didn't add that bit. I did. And while I haven't gone through this process yet as of writing this email, I don't think I need to. Just think about how many incredible experiences we had this year. Platforming bangers like Ratchet and Clank, Cana Bridge of Spirits, Psychonauts 2 and Bowser's Fury. Co-op classics like Operation Tango. Mm. Heck yeah, buddy. And it takes two. Or the wide range of beautiful and unique worlds from games like Chicory, Returnal, Fantasian, Metroid Dread, and so many others. But when I really think about it, one game stands above all. One game has the bravery to rewrite what it is we know about gaming as a whole. As I reflect on how powerful and meaningful this game is to me, I think back to my youth. I remember myself as a young blink. Sitting with wise eyes wide in front of the tube TV in the corner of my parents' living room. I'm enraptured by the sights and sounds of the game on screen. Mario, Sonic, Final Fantasy, Ukulele. So oh wait, what? Oh, so that was that wasn't in there. So many classics that I connected with and helped shape who I am today. I just wish that I could go back to that young version of myself and let him know how far gaming would come, how much better things would get thanks to a single game released in 2021. It would move him to tears. And you th- you know what? It moves me to tears as well. I'm so proud of the medium. I'm so shaken by the scope and scale of what we've achieved. Holy shit, this is like an Oscar best actor. <laughs> I feel like I'm speech. listening to the Gettysburg Address <laughs> slash Blink's biography. <laughs> Four scored seven years ago, young Blink... Stood on the grounds of the video game world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, fuck. We keep going. <laughs> he said, I'm so proud of the medium. I'm so shaken by the scope and scale of what we've achieved. A game of the year should be just that. Something so powerful and so meaningful that even just attempting to conjure the sounds of its name in your throat <laughs> chokes you up and stops the world around you. We all have just a few truly special moments in our lives. Taking your first car out on its first drive, saying your vows to the person you love for the rest of your life, seeing your child laugh for the first time, and of course, playing Balan Wonderworld, <laughs> my game of the year. Thank you, Blank. That was terrific. Yeah. Four score and seven years ago, our forefathers brought forth on this nation Nintendo 64. <laughs> Coming to a GameStop and Best Buy near you. <laughs> wow, that was that was one of the best things I've ever read, and I've read the manual to ukulele at least seven times. That was far more intense than I expected. Like, yeah. uh, maybe I didn't put enough thought into my game of the year. No kidding, my gosh! I don't even think we need to read the rest of the submissions from our listeners, <laughs> but we will. Yes, we keep moving along. Thank you so much, Blank. That was that was incredible. It was very moving. Really good writing. Uh, Kason, Kason Tom, Thompson, I, I very, I'm very sorry if I mispronounce your name. Hi, my name is Kason and my name in the discord is literally K-Sun and here are my awards for 2021. Comfort food game of 2021, Pokemon Shining Pearl, 
This game rekindled the rivalry my friend and I have when it comes to competitive Pokemon battles. Got it the night it was released and played till the morning with my Pokemon rival friend having battles throughout our playthrough of the game. Very cool. Absolutely. It's the best way to play. Oh, yeah. Speaking of Pokemon, his slapping OST of 2021, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond, Shining Pearl. It could be nostalgia hitting, but the Sinnoh Region Elite Four soundtrack slaps and gets, gets me pumped for battle. The blink and you'll miss a game of 2021 for him. Knockout City. Mm. The go-to game for me and the boys to team up and play some free-for-all dodgeball or ranked play. I think that was a free uh, PlayStation Plus game. Was it? Yeah, I never got around to playing it, but uh, it's good to hear it was your blink and you'll miss it game. I, maybe I need to get around to it. Speaking of getting around to things, his I'll get it to it eventually game of 2021, Immortal Phoenix Rising. Got it as a gift and I want to play it, but I've been occupied with other games. I know, I know I'll get to it eventually. Another Ubisoft open world. Yeah, this one looked great. Prior year game of the year, a lot of Ori love. He says Ori in the Blind Forest and Hades. Good stuff. I promote both those. In his 2020 game of the year, he doesn't have as much of a, uh, a, a note leading up to it as Blink did, but nonetheless, he says, Metroid Dread. First time playing and beating a Metroid game. Throughout the game, I'd get stuck or lost in a part, and whenever I got past it, I would get a new ability that would make me want to continue playing and discover more areas I wasn't able to before. Good stuff. I need to get around to playing Metroid Dread. Yeah. Once you beat it, and can help me, I'll play it too. Absolutely. An honorable mention goes to Halo Infinite. Came towards the end of the year, but the multiplayer has been hidden since it dropped, and the early reviews of the campaign have been overly positive. I look forward to playing it when co-op is enabled. You and me both, buddy. And games I missed out on, plan to play in the future, he says Psychonauts 2, and it takes two. Excellent choices, great submissions. Thank you so much for the email. Next up, we have our good friend Chronolink91. He starts, goes right into it. Comfort food game of 2021. Easily. Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory. I picked it up and beat it last year, but I knew getting the Platinum Trophy was going to be a time-consuming process. So I would put it down for a few months at a time, but was always thrilled to have it around and able to be played. And I did indeed get that Platinum last month. Heck yeah, buddy. Kudos to you. Totally worth getting to enjoy some amazing Kingdom Hearts tunes over and over again. You know that's music to my ears. Love me some Kingdom Hearts, and especially those Yokoshima Mora Kingdom Hearts tunes. Can't get enough of them. Slap an OST of 2021. Honestly, nothing I played all that much stood out to me. With Metroid Dread being a little too atmospheric. Words I never thought I would say. Tales of Arise, what little I played, has some great music but I'd love to highlight the soundtrack soundtracks to the pixel remasters of Final Fantasy 1 through 5, though mm. specifically Final Fantasy 3, even though I never got to play them. I watched Pete stream them all when he picked them up this summer slash fall. Pixel remaster of Final Fantasy 3 easily has the best version of Eternal Wind ever put in a Final Fantasy game. It is beyond excellent. Also, shoutouts to Fantasian and Bravely Default 2. Fantasian's getting a lot of love. Yeah, it is from the RPG uh, fanboys themselves, especially Chrono. But anyways, we keep moving along. Blink and you'll miss a game of 2021. I want to highlight two here, actually. We're only going to allow you one. Sorry, buddy. I'm only kidding, Chrono. We read the (laughs) fucking War and Peace novels prior to this one. We're going to keep going. We're not stopping now. Dungeon Encounters and Voice of Cards. The Isle Dragon Roars are both experimental offerings 
both from different dev teams at Square Enix, but both deserve to be played and enjoyed. Dungeon Encounters has a very minimalist presentation, but it allows the core gameplay and battle system to shine through. I didn't get to play it much, but it is worth checking out. Same with Voice of Cards, which is literally a game of D&D D-Med by Todd um, Harbor, uh, Habercorn, I think I pronounced that right, using cards for everything. Even the table is cards. Both really cool games. Definitely check them. We've got a house of cards. <laughs> yeah, crazy. I'll get to eventually game of 2021. He's got a heck of a list here. Shimigami Tensei 5, Deathloop, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, Final Fantasy 7 Integrate, Kane of Bridge of Spirits. I mean, the list goes on. Biggest one is probably SMT5, a game I've been hotly anticipating since it was announced back when the Switch was still the NX. I'll have to delve into it soon. What's that one? SMT5? Shimigami Tensei 5. Oh, okay. Yeah. Prior year game of the year for him, Wolfenstein The New Order. What a favorite of mine. Mm. A gents challenge game that I absolutely fell in love with. Would love to get back to this gem and work on trophies someday. Gosh, man. Speaking my love language, Chrono. Wolfenstein trophies. Is that the one with the sisters or is that one of the mainline? No, that's Youngblood. Okay, I was like... Chrono, I'm questioning your uh, no your new, choice. New blood and um or old blood and new colossus are the two starring BJ. Okay, and, and then... young blood was the one with the two daughters. Okay, yeah. His game of the year. I'm sorry, Chrono. I love you, but there's just too much to go through here, and we are already nearly at three and a half hours. Metroid Dread. What more can be said? I think he literally wrote an entire poem here. So maybe you can post that in the Discord, Chrono. I think that'd be wonderful to hear, and I think the good people want to want to read it. So please consider posting that on the Discord. He says, "Enjoy, friends. Hope to talk you talk to you on the podcast again someday soon. As soon as Final Fantasy 13 gets those remasters for current gen Chrono, you better believe it, buddy. You're getting your butt uh, your butt on the Talker Brothers. And we're talking about it. Got to do a deep dive. All right, three more emails, Ryan. Yes, let's do it. My mouth is dry, and I'm literally seeing double." <laughs> We have Leah Villa. All right. Sprite is here to talk about her games of the year. She says, hey, otaku bros, better late than never. Now, I will admit, I didn't play many of these games, but I did watch my partner Blink play them while I knit. You can count them or not. Hey, anything you submit, Sprite, it's getting counted. All right. Just know that you're a real one. I just (laughs) think it's fun to contribute. And we do too. Comfort food, game, Cruise and Blast. While a high-energy, super brightly colored game, Cruise and Blast, was such a peaceful game, it didn't have a goal of exploding your vehicle, or UFO, or unicorn. It had a very chill music, or it had very chill music. It was just an all-round, low-stress, good-time, A-plus effort. Love it. Slap an OST? For this one, I'm going to have to go with Kana Bridge of Spirits. There are just so many good tunes in that OST. The soundtrack evokes such beautiful forest, town, and nature vibes, fitting so well with Kana as the spirit guide. I think Ryan and I would both agree. I love the soundtrack. Absolutely. Blink and you'll miss it. The Forgotten City, for sure. I heard it mentioned on one podcast and never heard anyone talk about it again. This game, while simple in its execution, really left an impact on me that I didn't expect. As modern storytellers first release, I think they did a super good job of telling an interesting story with some cool mechanics. Death worth checking 
out. I believe The Forgotten City was something Blink played. I heard him talk about it on the Polykill podcast. Okay. It div- definitely sounded pretty intriguing. So, great pick. I'll get to it eventually. For me, this is Chicory. Blink played it on one stream and I missed it. He speaks super highly of it and it looks adorable. So it's definitely on my list for the future if I can ever stop playing Hades. <laughs> Put it down, Sprite. Play some other games. You're never going to regret it. Prior year game of the year for Sprite, Speak of the Devil, or Lord of the Underworld, I'm going to have to go with Hades, as it's definitely the so game good. I've put the most hours in this year. It's just too good. There's so much to do, so many builds to try, so many relationships to max, so many loves to be had. The art style is beautiful. The soundtrack is banging. The controls so smooth. I have no complaints and I'm not even close to being bored with it yet, which is a good sign since we recently acquired the PS5 version. So I have to get them trophies. (laughs) All these people are just speaking my language. I know. I know. The language, the love of trophies. And we get to Sprite's 2021 game of the year. You can disqualify this answer uh, all you want, but I'm putting my foot down. My 2021 game of the year is unequivocally Outer Wilds Echoes of the Eye. Yes, I will admit, it is technically DLC, and yet, it's around 10 hours long. Takes place in an enclosed ecosystem almost entirely outside of the original game, and you have to learn everything anew. It really just felt like a sequel to me. I cannot say enough about it to get my point across. The music reaches deep into your soul. The story breaks your heart in both devastating and uplifting ways. The mechanics and discoveries surprise and delight. It's magical, mind-bogglingly clever, and so tender. Mobius Digital has my heart, and I know what wins. Dang! Tell you what, Sprite and Blank need to consider co-writing a book. Very elegant. Absolutely. My word, people. Good stuff. Thanks so much for putting this on. I always love listening to your podcast with Blink. Hope you both have a fantastic festive season and wishing you both a happy new year. Sprite, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. You as well. Great email. And yes, definitely wishing everyone else out there very happy holidays and happy new year. We have two more emails to get through, Ryan. We press on, my friend. Do we have to read Lauren's? (laughs) We might legitimately save that for next episode. I'm not even kidding. She'd be pissed. She wrote it this morning when I came over. I'm about spent at this point, to be honest with you. Midipore, the winner of the eShop gift card, says, Comfort Food Game of 2021, Monster Hunter Rise. Having dabbled in most of the Monster Hunters since the PSP days, it's a familiar series that has gotten streamlined for the better over the years. The game had me sinking hours into it on work nights without even realizing it. Slap an OST of 2021, Persona 5 Strikers. You get original tracks that would fit right at home in Persona 5, and a few returning ones as well. Being able to play this mainline entry on the Switch only sweetens the deal. Blink and you'll miss a game of 2021 for MIDI. I'd probably have to say this one is Persona 5 Strikers as well. I know I've personally mistaken the game at first as yet another Dynasty Warriors type game, but the devs changed everything enough or changed enough of the formula that it resembles Persona 5 more than anything else. Good stuff. I actually am looking forward to trying this out on PS Plus. Yeah, I'm curious. I mean, I wasn't a huge fan of Persona 5, like the actual game, but I've never played a Dynasty Warriors. I've seen the like the Breath of the Wild one, mm-hmm. played a bit of that, but I'd be curious. I'll have to check it out, yeah. 
his I'll get to it eventually game of 2021, he says, as long as GameStop is around to bait me with their too good to be true <laughs> sales, that list will continue to expand. The big ones of 2021 would have to be SMT5, the Super Monkey Ball Deluxe remake, one mm. I need to go back to, yeah. and Atelier Ryza 2. Solid list. And uh, keep posting pictures, Mr. Mitty Poor, because he uh, took advantage of the recent GameStop deal and got 36 games out of it. And uh, I'm curious to see if you get complete in box copies for all those bad boys. All right. Prior year game of the year from 2020, Persona 5 Royal. It's not even close. How they melded the new content into the base game was beautifully executed. It's worth going all the way through for the additional social links and social arcs. And then last but not least, Midipores game of 2021, Shin Megami Tensei Persona 5. Is it Persona 5 or SMT 5? Is it? I don't know. I'm losing my mind at this point. (laughs) I thought those were separate games. Just kidding. LOL. It has to go to Halo Infinite's multiplayer. Nice. It's a solid shooter that I spent my entire Thanksgiving break playing, and it's free to play. Day one on both Xbox and PC. I haven't played a Halo game since the Bungie days, and I'm glad I gave this one a shot. Can't wait to see how they continue to support the game in future seasons. Holy moly. That was a lot to get through and a lot to read. I love my wife more than anyone on the planet, but we are going to actually save that email for our next episode, Most Anticipated Games of 2022, if that's okay with you, Ryan. She's going to kill us. Well, but... it wouldn't be the first time, all right? <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah, we totally read it when we go downstairs trying it's, to leave. It's all good. Lauren's a very forgiving person. Yeah. We'll get to Gizmo's Game of the Year next week. Well, giving someone, giving something for everyone to look forward to, Yeah, if you will. Yeah. Anticipation. That's right. But as we close out this monster episode, it will literally be more than four hours long This is literally like the Peter Jackson director's cut extended edition times two of Otaku Brothers. Oh, wait, there's more. (laughs) Yeah. We are going to close out the episode by listening to the Slappin' OST medley. The whole purpose of me setting a deadline for everyone submitting their Game of the Year emails was I wanted to have enough time to edit together a medley like I did last year. For everyone slapping OST, it's one of my favorite things to do because, you know, you might submit something like Near Replicant, Ease 9, Cana Bridge of Spirits, but if I haven't played any of those games or I'm not familiar with the soundtracks, it gives me an opportunity to go and listen to the soundtracks on YouTube, pick apart the entire composition and figure out kind of a standout two to three songs and then whittle those down to the one song that ends up making its way onto the medley. And as I kind of try and, you know, as a personal challenge for myself, I try and start things out to be kind of chill, not so in your face and over the top major hype levels of music and gradually progress to be a little bit more intense, a little bit more banging, a little bit more slapping, if you will. Mm. And then kind of fade it out to be less slapping, but still banging. All right. All right. Does that all make sense to people? Hopefully not. Or hopefully it does. But I am delusional at this point. I don't even know how I'm able to form sentences Uh, after reading literally the entire trilogy of Lord of the Rings in the past hour. Yeah. We start at 930 and it's 230 now. We've been in this room like looking at screens and stuff. Uh, yeah. it's, it, it's been a fun episode. It has been yeah. a tremendous time and I hope everyone has enjoyed this episode, but also has been entertained over the course of the year. 
you know, people literally wrote in some very, very kind things for Ryan and I, both in these emails, on the Discord, and in the podcast reviews, wherever you find your uh, this podcast. And uh, it means the absolute world to Ryan and us. And doing this show with Ryan is one of my favorite things um, that we've been doing for almost four years now. Yeah, it's crazy to think about. I mean, we love doing it. And then hearing the feedback that you guys enjoy as well is always just a boost. It really it, is. Yeah. It really is because uh, we have some rough patches as well. Uh, but yep. we press on and uh, one be, we're just so thankful for the community of Otaka Brothers. Another shout out and reminder, if you're not in the Discord, get in the Discord. Click that link in the show notes. It's a really great time and some of the best people are in there having conversations sure. every single day day but this is the final episode ryan and i will be releasing in 2021 we are so excited for everything ahead in 2022 the list of ideas uh, is still just about boundless for ryan and i going into 2022 but as you might expect or have come to expect with utaki brothers our first episode of the new year is our top 10 most anticipated games of the next year and kind of talking through some of our gaming uh, resolutions. So look forward to that in a couple weeks. But as we close things out, we have no fun facts or parting words from Ryan. We are just going (laughs) to allow the music to speak for itself. I want to thank each and every one of you that submitted uh, something for the game of the year because every single one of the award nominations for Slappin' OST was absolute straight fire. All right? So without further ado, happy holidays. Enjoy some great games. If you can, stay healthy and enjoy time with your family and friends. Ryan and I will be seeing you in 2022. Take care, everyone.
Did you find that Hollywood dream? Are you thinking about back home? Sweet lady, did you find that home? The glitters is not gold. Oh, the glitters is not
fucking know.